Mud water is something I've been using daily since I started the podcast. It's supposed to be an alternative to coffee, but I actually add it to mine for some extra health benefits. It's got four functional mushrooms and with only a little caffeine, and each ingredient was added for a purpose. Cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate-like flavor. Lion's mane for focus. Cordyceps to promote natural energy. It's also Whole30 approved, 100% USDA certified organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher. Mudwater donates monthly to support psychedelic research and has since day one. They believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and that psychedelic-assisted therapy is one of the most effective tools we have to treat mental health conditions. Today, you get $20 off when you subscribe at mudwater.com cam. You also get a free frother and a sample of their delicious coconut creamer. So go to mudwater.com cam to get $20 off your subscription and your free frother. That's mudwater.com cam. I think we all can agree no one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to GrooveLife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. All right. Well, this is a Keep Hammering Collective with Cole Kramer. Great to have you. Thank you for having me on, sir. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I've been a fan of what you do for a long time. Love your attitude. And for those that don't know, Cole's a guide out of Kodiak, Alaska. And what what do you guide for? Bear, sheep, goats, what else? So yeah, mainly brown bear, uh, mountain goats, Sitka black-tailed deer, doll sheep. Uh, so kind of travel around the state a little bit. Uh, kind of, you know, if you're going to guide full time, you got to hit the seasons mm-hmm. and uh, travel around a little bit. Uh, we just finished up on the Alaska Peninsula for a brown bear. Then now we're moving over to Kodiak for our brown bear season. So, yeah, kind of just jump around as a as a gypsy guide, kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not like a, a full time influencer now? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's actually something that pays the bills. That's uh, being a guide. Oh, you know, okay. I think you and I have, you know, the one thing I really like, there's a lot of things I like about you, but the one thing that uh, you've always stayed very humble about yourself, you've had a day job for yeah. a very long time of which, what you just, just got yeah, out of what, was, what this last year or it something? was a year ago. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, this is all fun and and fine and dandy, but uh, realistically, I'm a guide. Yeah. And that's, it, you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, sponsors and working with companies could all go away. At the end of the day, I'm still a guide. That's all I'm ever going to be. Yeah. So that that's the way I look at things. And, uh, you know, if if, uh, if we can help some people along the way, um, getting into hunting and understanding things uh, out there, then, you know, then they great. Yes, yeah. it's a bonus. That's what I always thought too. It's like, I got to keep this job because hunting is what I love, you know, and if I have to get in a position where I make a decision on a sponsor or this or that because of money, it's like, I don't really care. I have a job. I don't have to do, I don't have to do what you say. I don't have to do something I don't want to do. 
I have a job that pays the bills. So it's, uh, that's, that's nice because I don't, I mean, and I'm like you, I'm sure that I don't want business to interfere with what I love mm -hmm. and you love guiding, you love being yep. out in the field. And of course there's business to what we do, but still the passion is what got us there. Yeah. And a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Guiding and taking people out hunting is, has kind of been my thing ever since I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. I always really enjoyed doing it. Sure. I love hunting for myself, but it almost now it's kind of a weird feeling when I'm the one, you know, pulling back the bow or, or pulling the trigger on the gun. It's, it's almost kind of a weird feeling, <laughs> you know, like I, I almost feel selfish, Yeah. you know, because I'm like, Oh man, someone else could have had this uh, pretty yeah. cool experience. But I realize it's also helped me become a better guide because there's a lot of guides who don't take the time to go hunting for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're just strictly guides and, I think it really will help you become a better guide if if you yourself, especially going on hunts that you have to pay for, mm -hmm. because you don't know what that client or person is feeling when they've paid you their hard-earned money yeah. until you have put forth your hard-earned money. And then at the end, whether you've gotten an animal or not, having to tip your guide, yeah. you know, walking away from a hunt, not getting something, yeah. you know, that can... You know, it's good to know what that feels like. And there's a lot of people that have not done that before. And it doesn't matter the scale of it. It could be right. a $3,500 hunt. It could be a $35,000 hunt. Mm -hmm. But it's nice to know both sides of that for, for a guide. That's for sure. I think it's a, a the crux of any hunt is that decision in, in the red zone when you're getting ready to shoot. And I think it's important because you can get somebody there or somebody can get there but until you're actually sending that arrow or that bullet, it's there's a lot of decisions up to that point. But that, the decisions right then, I think you can you can learn from as a guide mm -hmm. when you're doing it. You yep. know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's like that's such a critical time. So if you know because you've done it yourself many times, mm -hmm. and you've been the you know as you said a paying client, so you know how that kind of pressure feels. I I agree. I think it. It has to help. You know, I think a guide who never kills or is never in that situation where they're paying for it, I think it's like they're a step below where you are because you you know what those emotions are like. Mm -hmm. You know everything because we're humans. we got so many things that come in our head, in and out, weigh on us, different things. And it's like I, I, I love your approach about still hunting, still going on hunts, but in, in with the goal of helping your job as a guide. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. Yeah, it's it's really, really easy for a guide to get worked up <laughs> with this hunter for not being able to make the shot or get ready, get ready, get ready, and not take the shot. And they sit there and kind of badmouth the hunter. And, mm -hmm. and you know, years ago, um, especially with archery, because I've specialized in archery for many years, because I grew up shooting a bow and and, um, you know, um, if you don't know archery, then it, you just get someone within a hundred yards. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, there it is. There it is. Take your shot. Yeah. And it's like, oh no. It, whereas like a, a true bow hunter will understand that we could be at 10 yards or five mm -hmm. yards. I've had guys full drawn on a bear at five yards and not get a shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got to have the willingness to let down and not take a bad shot right you know it's not worth it not worth wounding an animal yeah. um so it's it's just one of those things but to also have 
some sympathy for a guy who just, I didn't feel comfortable with the shot because I've been in those situations too, where a guy's yelling at me to shoot, 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 shoot. And <laughs> I'm like, man, I didn't feel comfortable with the shot. And I don't mm. want to wound this thing. It doesn't yeah. matter with a bow or a rifle. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, you want to make a good ethical shot, uh, or at least in my eyes. And I know in your eyes too. And so, um, I found it really <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, a few years back, I went down to a little uh, shooting clinic put, uh, that this ranch, FTW, in Texas put on. And at the end of it, they put us through like a stress course, and it was all outfitters, mm. okay? There was like 15 of us guides there, Yeah. okay? And these are seasoned, older outfitters from the U.S., but also Europe, Africa, you know, yeah. several places. It was right before Dallas Safari Club. Right. So it was like an invite thing. And at the end they said, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to shoot at a target at uh, 150 or 200 yards. We'll tell you the target. And then you'll have 10 seconds to engage this next target. It would be like a fleeing animal. Mm -hmm. It's wounded or you missed. Right. And you'd hit the, hit the other target. And they said, and we're going to pressure you. And they're like, okay, yep, yep. Okay. We, we know what's coming. Right. And almost every single one of those guys they said, okay, time starts when you shoot, boom, hurry up, shoot, reload, hurry, hurry, hurry. And <laughs> almost every single one of those guys stopped what they were doing, looked back and said, hey, man, shut up. <laughs> and, and they all, it's yeah. like, well, you lose. <laughs> they literally do yeah. the same thing to their client, all but the they time. would have happened to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they failed. So it's like, hey, if you don't understand what it's like, like right. no one likes being yelled at. So you right. got to know how to. Uh, defuse those situations and or talk to you. It's okay, reload. Yeah, mm. Let's get ready for another shot just in case. And uh, so it's always very interesting um, uh, in those situations how I people bet. react and uh, having a little sympathy for someone who's, you know, worked up. Because that's the other thing, um, especially being around bears, you just never really know how you're going to react. Right. You have been around a lot of bears and you know how you react. Mm -hmm. Most people never know that feeling yeah and uh until it's that time and i've seen some guys that i've judged that first like you know judge the cover of uh, this guy's probably not gonna hold it together right. and then that guy did great and then mm -hmm. the next guy you thought yeah he'll do great and that guy freaked out <laughs> you know so yeah. but that's just part of it. it's part of our job yeah. to be able to uh, calm those guys mm -hmm. um and to do that and you know uh what i was going to say earlier is you know years back i with bow hunting there was, there was a lot of failure that we went through, mm. um, whether it be with setups, not knowing uh, the types of setups uh, that would be best for large, large brown bears. Mm -hmm. And um, things just happened, like weird circumstances, mm -hmm. uh, not good penetration or, or bears reacting differently. And, it, you know, but I always just kind of put it on the, I'm like, well, we got him in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's his fault. Yeah. Shot and, opportunity, 100%. Yep. Yep. <laughs> his fault, his fault, his yeah. fault. Then I thought, you know this really isn't the right way to go about this. I mean, I felt like, cause the other thing is, um, being a young guide, mm -hmm. uh, cause I started when I was 19 and in my, you know, you're 25 now. <laughs> do you not see this gray hair? Now <laughs> I dye this just so you know, just to look more, uh, you know, mature. All right. Uh, but, uh, no, um, but yeah. So in my early twenties, uh, the, these guys, uh, I would just say it's their fault. It's their fault. And I didn't want to step on their toes by trying to remind them mm -hmm. steps. And I thought, you know, after all, so lots of failure mm -hmm. and uh, some, you know, 
close calls on things. It was, uh, I thought, you know, I, I don't, I'm just going to address this and try to work on myself and to address it right off the bat and say, you know, I just want to tell you, um, I'm going to remind you of some things. And if there's some things that you would like to hear mm-hmm. to remind you, please let me know right. throughout the hunt because uh, it will help. And I don't want you to think that uh, that you don't know this. I'm just trying to remind you these steps yeah. because in these high stakes situations, people will forget mm-hmm. because I know I have forgotten as a hunter, as a bow yeah. hunter. And we go, dang it. And, yeah. and with a large animal in front of you at five, 10 yards, uh, I've, I've seen some interesting things with humans happen and you have to learn how to break them out of that. Like and what keep would them, the re- reminders be? Um, just, just keeping them like in their steps mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, draw. Cause most of the times when a, when a bear would be getting ready to come out of the brush, I'm paying attention. I'm having them down low behind a bush or on the side of the bush. Mm-hmm. And to, in order for the bear not to see the movement, I would say, okay, get ready to draw draw and so they would draw and i just remind them about set you know your anchor point mm-hmm. watch your bubble yeah you know like all those little steps yeah, and if yeah. they had something like tell me don't punch it you know, right like uh, just focus pick a hair those big animals as you know mm-hmm. i mean it's it doesn't matter probably with elk moose bear large animals it's yeah. almost like your brain is just like just put the pins on it you know right. but a lot of guys will shoot high mm-hmm. you know or or something of that nature and they yeah. kind of just forget yeah and a lot of people will say i man, i don't even know i just put the pins on them mm-hmm. you know i had a guy uh one time bear at five yards five six okay maybe i was exaggerating six yards uh <laughs> it uh it came out of the water. It was perfectly broadside at, at uh, six yards, very large bear. And the guy pulled back with his recurve and the bear turned to look at him and he in- instinctively moved the bow to the bear's face and released. That was yeah. a, that's like a five foot swing Yeah. with your bow. Yeah. Cause he was, he, he was looking at the he head. Was, yep. He just went, the bear looked at him. He goes, Oh, and yeah. shot. And, uh, <laughs> Did he hit it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the bear ran out about 50 yards and was slightly upset uh, with with the, with the this thing protruding from his head. So uh, I handed him the rifle and he finished him off. Yeah. But uh, that would have, I believe that would have been the world record at the time with the recurve. And that was like in the early, oh, I can't recall when he hunted with this, 2008, 10, somewhere in there. So, I, you, but, could you have got him closer though? I mean, it seems like you, it's on you a little bit. I, I'm working a lot harder on that. Um, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we try not, I mean, here's the thing. It's not like we're trying to get that close, but like, you know, in the fall time, especially when the bears are on fish. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're moving back and forth. So mm-hmm. what we'll say is, okay, we'll be five yards off the creek or 10 yards off the creek. Mm-hmm. And um, the creek may be 10, 15, 20 yards wide, depending on where we're ambushing or going down. And it's, it's just a, a matter of, hey, the bear is going to walk after a fish over here or chase a fish. Because I've had to be on the opposite side of fish, you know, uh, swirls in the water right yeah. in front of us and bears just running at us. And I was yeah. like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, and he grabs the fish right directly in front of us. And, of course, that stirs up the hunter a little yeah, bit. Of course. And so now you have a five-yard yeah. shot of yeah. where you had a 20-yard shot yeah. before of which uh, if I could... If I could uh, you know, 
uh, set it every time to be perfect. I mean, Twenty yards is is mm -hmm. a nice shot for it's everyone. A good shot. Fifteen yeah. yards is yeah. nice. Closer, mm -hmm. we're not trying to get that close. It <laughs> is. Close. It just happens. Yeah. Um. It just happens sometimes. And, and you can hear him breathing and like, oh man, that's intense. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And I mean, you've taken several bears, so mm -hmm. you you know what it's like to be to be close. Yeah. They're big, big, incredible, um, intimidating animals. Yeah. Especially that close. Yeah. And and most of the time when you hear bears you know, charging someone or whatnot, it's, it's kind of like, they're just trying to get out of there mm -hmm. and you just so happen to be in their in way. The, in the way. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's intense. Um, on, you were just on the peninsula. So are they mm -hmm. on, are they on fish right now or what are they on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fish and berries. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you're hunting, you know, just like on Kodiak, it's some areas have good fish. Some mm -hmm. areas don't really have good fish left. Mm -hmm. And so the bears are still you know, roaming the creeks. It was a mixture of bears eating rotten, dead um, pink salmon, you know, mm -hmm. humpies uh, on the sides that were just nasty. And you'd see sows with cubs and the cubs are just feeding on those rotten carcasses. <laughs> but then they're also catching uh, other silvers that are mm -hmm. still very much alive, colored up, but very much alive. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes they'll go out into the berry flats and that tundra and just, you know. Is it a salmon berry or? Um, it's just like some of those tundra tundra berries like mm. little crow berries yeah there are there are still a few salmon berries here mm. and there and some low bush ones but um it's just a mixture of different types of, of berries and yeah and they were also eating there's like some really uh green grass along the banks as well and those bears would you know they'll eat a mixture of everything yeah right? so they need to they're, eat they're just trying to all the time yeah we had we had one bear that we were watching we called pork chop and this thing was so so fat and i wish mm. i wish i had a really good uh you know uh video or, or or photo of it through the spotting scope because it you know the national parks or whatever it is does that uh, fat bear week or something yeah. and it would have it, it would have <laughs> done very well and at first i thought it was a de you know a decent boar by the nets too too roly-poly too short yeah you know stocky but it just had so much fat the belly was on the ground but the, you know it's like man how come that bear was so either was so smart and in mm -hmm. a very good fisher fisherman that uh or berry collector or whatever but it was way fatter than the rest of them but uh, was it a sow it was a sow yeah. yep yep okay. i watched it for a long time and i said yeah that that it's a sow it's got to be and actually the bear we end up uh killing was chasing after that bear mm -hmm. and was running after it in the tundra for almost a mile really and but pork chop was about it was 500 yards ahead of it because it was just on its trail. Mm -hmm. And then, then we ended up intercepting it and, uh, and just getting the other bear. Was that a good bear? Yeah. 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 Right around nine and a half foot. Good oh, boar. Yeah. Beautiful hide. Yeah. Just gorgeous, gorgeous bear. So, yeah, we were pretty, pretty excited. And uh, weather was pretty brutal on us there for a while. But, really? yeah, we're, you know, it's it's the Alaska Peninsula. Mm -hmm. It's it's just, I mean, when you look at your, I'm looking at my Garmin inReach weather and it says like clear skies, northwest winds, nice, and it's still raining and blowing, <laughs> snowing every day. Yeah. But that's just the way it is yeah. when you're when you're down there and you on have, the ocean. when you're on the ocean, both mm -hmm. sides of the peninsula is hitting you. It, that's rough. It The weather changes constantly. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because the hunter's like, if it clears up, oh, you think it'll be good today? It's like, man, I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I mean, it could change in five 10 yeah, minutes i don't really know you know yeah. uh we moved another guide into my um 
into my camp afterwards, and he got stuck in there multiple days after mm. after they killed a bear, uh, just due to the wrong winds and yeah. fog and rain. And just, did they land on the beach there? Or? Nope, nope, just a super cub way up in a valley. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of we don't have a lot of spots that are like easy to get into. It's yeah. it's pretty uh, advanced. Super Cub flying. So like Tundra tires? Yep. Yeah. Big 35s, guys are running. And it's like one of those things that the weather's perfect, mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. But if it starts going the other way, it's you got to know what you're doing. Otherwise, it can it can turn south real, real quickly. And, I bet. Um, you know, the hunters and, you know, my hunter was great and everything, but his buddy was out there and they had a big business uh, dealing to deal with this week, I think, today. And, hey, could you... Uh, could you talk with the outfitter to make sure it gets them out, you know, <laughs> like kind of quicker to yeah. make sure. And I said, um, and I just called him and said, Hey man, I'm just going to break it down for you. We don't pressure the pilots. Yeah. I've had, you know, several pilot friends, including my uncle dying plane crashes. Mm-hmm. You don't pressure the pilot. No, we don't care about your business dealings. We care about your safety. Yeah. That is the utmost importance for us. And also I'm pretty sure your family you know, wants you to come back right. safely. So there is no, um, yeah, there's no risking. We don't, we don't want to risk, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, it, it, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary. And yeah. most of the time, I mean, we take in tons of extra food and fuel. You're good for days. There'll yeah. be a break. Right. You know, it's just a matter of being smart because uh, every year you hear planes going down. I know. And, and, and a lot of them are amazing, amazing pilots, you know, and things happen. Jim just this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Um, I flew with Jim multiple times. I mm-hmm. went out there and hunted those guys. Shane was a very close friend of mine as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he, he's the best of the best. Uh, you know, Jim is yeah. – I'd fly with that guy. If he would have balled that plane up and walked away from I'd hop right in a plane with him right after that. That guy is an amazing pilot, an amazing family. And, and uh, yeah, my heart goes out to those guys. That's terrible. You know? Yep. But uh, it's just, uh, you know – Alaska is, is, uh, there's a lot of things that can happen yeah. on the ground or in the air. Mm-hmm. And that's just, uh, you know, as you know, with your buddy Roy, I mean, that's just, it's a very unfortunate thing. And, um, you just got to try to be as safe as you can yeah. out there, but there's still risk no matter what always. you're doing. There's always risk. But my yeah. thing is, and I think we're probably on the same page as, you know, our families don't want to see us go and probably in such a way, but I worry more and I would be way more upset dying in a car crash with some 17 year old girl texting and running into yeah. me, running me over while I'm on a run or something that, you know, then, then, uh, you know, bear eating me or falling off the mountain or plane crash, you know, at least I'm doing something that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the unfortunate thing is your, your family, you know, yeah. that you leave behind. But, uh, but yeah, I worry more in town. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's what I have way more worries about. Me too. Than, uh, that uncontrollable in town. Yeah, yep. I mean it's yeah because at least being out in the wild, yes, there's risks. We're we well aware of them, but and it's not like you're in control, but you're more at peace out there. Yeah, and you feel like if it's if it happens out there. That's what you signed up for. You mm-hmm. know, if it happens in town doing something, it's like God. You're just a, a pawn, basically. Yeah. You have no control over it. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, it, I, I think we all we all hope to someday be, you know, just sitting there on the 
on their easy chair with grandkids or great grandkids and telling stories of, of hunting adventures. Yeah. You know, that's the, that is the ultimate goal, you know, and, uh, and to, you know, pass gracefully and mm -hmm. without, uh, horrible suffering, suffering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't always work that way. How, what happened to your uncle? Uh, so my uncle, uh, Robin Starrett, uh, he was in the Coast Guard, mm. uh, flew, I think, 25 years in the Coast Guard, lieutenant commander, uh, flew H-60s, um, essentially like a Black Hawk, but they call him a Jayhawk. And uh, so he did that and retired, and then he was flying uh, fixed wing, uh, flying a Navajo, and actually ended up having a catastrophic failure after takeoff in Man. really bad weather in January, right after takeoff, fully loaded with stuff, and just, you know, right off the end of the Kodiak runway, very unfortunate mm -hmm. deal. And But, uh, you know, he was a huge influence in my life. Uh, he's the reason why I went up to Alaska. Mm. Uh, when my parents divorced when I was 11, uh, my uncle, you know, wanted to get us out of there. And just uh, my mom was actually moving from Kansas to Missouri to our new home and thought, eh, I'm going to bring the kids up, get them out of that situation mm -hmm. while she's moving and uh, brought us up to Alaska you know, fishing for two weeks solid. It was just unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. <laughs> and, and of course, it was like during like pink salmon season. Oh, so it's like every cast you're catching, catching. fish. <laughs> and I was a kid that caught bluegill, bass, crappie, <laughs> yeah, you know, tiny that are just, little things. yeah. And I freaked out if I caught a, you know, one, two pound, two pound bass. Yeah. You know, and so like <laughs> for catching five to 10 pound pink salmon. Yeah. I mean, it, it just blew me away. I'm like, well, back. I'm coming back here. And I was 11 at the time. And I'd already been uh, pretty, uh, I would say, I was always a young entrepreneur <laughs> of like, hmm, I need to make money. How do I do this? Uh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll shovel driveways, snow in the wintertime, yeah. um, you know, mow lawns. I loved mowing, mowing and vacuuming. For some reason, I like vacuuming <laughs> in the house because it was like, like mowing. I could indoor mow. Indoor mowing. Uh, yeah, indoor mowing. I could do lines. <laughs> And I think I was like ADD. Luckily, my parents never gave me any meds. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I say luckily that maybe it wasn't luckily for them. But like, I think doing those things kept my mind. Yeah. Mind numbing. Right. You know. Right. Uh, okay, shoveling. Yeah. It's shoveling pretty snow. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I like digging holes in the backyard. I just go dig a hole. You know. Yeah. And uh, shoot my bow. Don't overthink it. No, no. <laughs> and uh, but when I got back from Alaska. I was like, okay, I have to go back. And they're like, well, that's that's pretty expensive, you mm -hmm. know. And I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do? And they're like, well, uh, you know, you just, you know, it's just hard to, you got to work, I guess, or do your chores. And I was like, okay, so all my chore money, all my work money, birthdays, Christmas, all needs to go to Alaska Fund. <laughs> and so that's kind of that's where that went. And luckily, I was able to go up to Alaska a few more times before I end up moving up there at, right after high school, mm. a week after high school. But, uh, yeah, my uncle had a short stint where he got, uh, transferred to Cape Cod and then for like nine months and he got transferred back to Kodiak they needed more helicopter pilots back up there and he loved it up there. So, uh, he drove through and picked me up and we did a two week trip where we pretty much camped the whole, whole time, mm. uh, stopped in like Libby, Montana. That's where I learned how to fly fish on the Kootenai river. It was nice. like, I want to say it was the 
year or two after A River Runs Through It came out. Oh, man. And so I was Prime like, time. oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So I was there trying to do like the Brad Pitt casting, yeah. you know, whatever it was, the butterfly. I don't know I what know. it was called. <laughs> it looked good, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I made like the yearbook. You know, I was in the yearbook fly fishing. Oh, you know? sick. So, but that's where I learned how to fly fish. You know, it's just uh, those those memories that my uncle yeah. gave me were like the most amazing things. And, uh, you know, driving up up through Canada, camping basically every night. Uh, lots of fun. Oh, I bet. Lots of good adventure. Um, and, I mean, as you know, when was the first time you went to Alaska? Um, in the 90s. I think Kodiak. Me and Roy did Kodiak. I think it was 96 maybe, 94, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm sure for you, same thing. You just get through like, oh, man. Oh, it was, yeah, heaven. It was heaven. Go kill three or four deer. <laughs> I mean, I had a hard time that first one because I had, I was like, and you go, you go into a hunt and say, okay, I got four deer tags. It's like, I'm going to kill four big bucks. It's like, you can't kill four until you can kill one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then I skipped the one and was like, I already had these big plans. So I had a hard time killing the one. But then finally I did kill two on that first hunt. Meanwhile, Roy was killing just giants with his recurve and like, he, <laughs> like he always, he's always beating me on the big animals, but yeah. it was like heaven on earth up there for, for a hunter. Yeah. You know, there's no, no greater place to go than Alaska. It's just so it's big and grand, you know, it's yeah. uh, the grandiose just views. And when you get out there and that plane leaves. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different. real deal. It's, di <laughs> it's every step is, is crucial. Yeah. And you got to. You got to know what you're doing, yeah. And uh, it, it's it's just one of those things, and and it can imprint your soul, or uh, or you'll give you major anxiety, and you'll never come back. Either love or hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's either oh, like yeah. this is everything I've ever wanted to do, or it's just too much for some people. There's some people that it's yeah. too much, and it happens even on guided hunts. Yeah. I've had a handful of guys over the years that just said, "This isn't what I signed up for," and it's mm -hmm. like. What, 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 what do you mean? Like you thought we were going to kill way earlier, but it was what it was is they were, it, it freaked them out too much out there. Yeah. The camping, uh, being out there that far away, they just couldn't get in their truck and, and like they had no service. Right. You know. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM, C-A-M, for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast sponsor is Santa Cruz Medicinals, and it's a company I'm proud to talk about because I've been using their CBD products for years. We use a CBD beef tallow to cook our elk steaks, and their CBD cream is one of the best things I've used post-run to help ease the pain in my muscles. They make an array of potent CBD formulas. To be effective, 
CBD has to be dosed properly and Santa Cruz Medicinals has those potent dosages. They make CBD deep sleep caps, pain creams, magnesium, beef tallow, which can be used as a moisturizer or for cooking, MCT oil, and more. Check them out at scmedicinals.com and use the code KEEPHAMMERING for 15% off and free shipping in the USA. Hey guys, looking to take your wellness to the next level? Blokes can help you. They are a modern health optimization service for men that is devoted to your physical, sexual, and mental health. From the convenience of your home, Blokes helps you test your hormones, consult with a board-certified clinician about your results, and receive a personalized plan and treatment specifically for you. Blokes' mission is to optimize men from the inside out. Patients come to them feeling old, tired, overweight, and like things aren't what they used to be. Blokes wants to help get that pet back in their step. Blokes improves men's lives by optimizing their hormones, the most essential chemical messengers in the body. Blokes is going to send someone to my house to draw my blood. No appointment was required, and I'm really excited to be partnering with them so I can keep hammering for another day. They're offering you guys 20% off labs if you use code CAM at blokes.co slash CAM. And so it freaks people out. Yeah. And even, even to this day, there's, I mean, not that that ever goes away. It's been, you know, been like that way forever. But in terms of, you know, my goals are to get people out there, have a great hunt. But also the big one is to, for freaking, for people to detach. Yeah. Put your freaking phone down, man. Mm-hmm. You don't have service out here. Yeah. You know, and, you know, for a business standpoint and for family, mainly family and safety, you know, like your inreach is, is it's nice mm-hmm. to be able to touch base, let your wife know, your kids know we're, we're okay. Yeah. You know, um, things of that nature. If you have to, fine, check in with business. But, man... You don't have to be like texting all your buddies, giving updates every moment of every, you know, because, I mean, it's different when you're hunting somewhere and you've got service and this Mm -hmm. and that and the other, whatever, or it's like a, you know, pretty boring, dull hunt. But man, it's, it's really, I really enjoy watching people detach for 10 days, 15 days. Yeah. And you just see the new spark in their eyes of, hey, man. Every day we're just getting up, we're making coffee in the morning, we're making breakfast, we're getting up on the hill. It's a simple life out here. It's pure. It's very pure. And we're watching the animals. uh, We've got nothing but time, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it's really, really cool to see that. um, You know, when when you went on that Black Rifle uh, podcast with those guys, you know, and, and you got to hear Evan and all those guys bear hunt story, but like that was actually really cool to see those guys who were obviously very content, you know, rich yeah. people that do lots of, uh, lots of content. Um, and so uh, to watch them finally detach and not check their phone, like, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't have service. I can't look at Instagram or, <laughs> or something, you know, and I love those guys, but it, like finally after about four or five days, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, that's gone, and then watching some of the guys like Logan write in his in his uh, in his notebook skits and different things, and just just making notes and you know yeah, that, that's cool. I know. You know, and and then you know all that stuff comes to fruition later on. Yeah, well, but they, but like I got to watch those guys. You know, ten days in, like man, we need this. Mm-hmm. We got to do this every year. We yeah. got to 
detached because it's it, when you're in town and in service and we don't really we don't really understand how much uh, this you know like the phone and just being connected with people you know it's great but we have to do it for business and this and that but man it's truly amazing when you can set all that stuff aside and reboot your system it is yeah, a reboot you, for your system you don't know what you're missing yeah and it's like we think we're missing something by not having the connection you're actually missing something by not having the connection with the land mm -hmm. and the animals and yeah. yourself basically yeah. yep and that's so that's a real connection this stuff is like anybody has this yeah out in the in the mountains or in the wilderness it's like <clears throat> that's what very few people have nowadays mm -hmm. that's the special part yeah you know and just <clears throat> just surviving looking for animals trying to make a plan just being with just a, the true human interactions you know with another man it's like that's what that's a reward to it getting to know a person yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and and, and uh you know, getting to know your guides, uh, my relationships with some of my hunters are some of my best friendships now. Mm -hmm. And uh, those guys, I've had guys, you know, that either don't have sons that hunt or don't have kids or or a son or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I feel very blessed that, that there's, you know, a handful of those guys that treat me like a son. Yeah. And, you know, for holidays and or this and that. And if I don't stop through and see them, if I'm down in the States. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> they're not happy. Their yeah. wives are calling me. Hey, they're not they're not really happy with you that you didn't come by while you're in town. <laughs> it's like, oh, geez, you know, and so you make those relationships and those are special. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, in our hunts, like our bear hunts, we're, I mean, hey. What's our goal? We're gonna. Our goal is obviously find a large mature boar mm -hmm. and to kill that thing, and for you to uh, be successful in that hunt. But realistically, my goal is to show you and teach you things about bears in the land that we're in, mm -hmm. and it is a huge bear viewing trip. Right. Right. Nature viewing trip <laughs> yeah we're yeah. getting to watch a You're lot immersed. of cool stuff and that's the whole thing when guys are immersed in their phones they're missing that yeah exactly and glassing is such a big thing mm -hmm. and we're in our binos all the time and but i'm also it's also like we're talking but that goes by the wayside after a few days of getting to know the person and going over everything and some, you know, the other times you're kind of split up on the hill and then you're, I basically put all my clothing on if, especially if it's cold and blowing and just kind of, uh, sit there and just think about life and going over things in my brain and, you know, being in my own brain, mm -hmm. because when people are constantly, you know, listening to, you know, whether it be music or, uh, podcasts or which always listen to this one for sure. But like <laughs> the point is some people don't know how to just be yeah. in their own brain. Right. And in, yeah. in their own thoughts. Right. And it, so that is an interesting thing. I, I say that those are important things, especially if you've never done it and that's mm -hmm. a great place to do it. But it also is when I've got to dig deep and be like really trying to find bears like in the afternoon and or whatnot on my hunts, I tell guys, whatever you got to do to stay in the game, you mm -hmm. must be present to win on mm -hmm. these hunts. And I need you to be glassing. And especially my guides, if we're out there, it's like, if you get, you know, I'll have one earbud in, listen to an audio book, 
or a podcast or some music. If mm-hmm. I got, I mean, especially when you're getting tired and whatnot, yeah. I'll take my little cat nap, replenish <laughs> my eyes. And, uh, and when I wake up, it's ready to rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know, because if you don't, especially in those long spring days, mm-hmm. you don't take a little little nap. And, and it's almost like sometimes they don't even fall asleep, but like for 30 minutes, you have your eyes closed. Yeah. Give in a, a tundra break. hole, yeah, and you wake up, and really often it's pretty amazing. You're like, oh, there's a bear, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But your eyes are just, you know, they're just getting beat up by just constantly looking through the glass, and you got to have the best glass to do it, you know. And but uh, what do you use? I use a mixture of stuff, typically a Swaro binos. I've got a set of loophole binos. Got some Sig ones, you know. It's like there's, I don't know, it's just a mixture, yeah, but. I, I have been using instead of these loopholes for a while for my binos. It's pretty no nice. Spotting scope. Spotting scopes. I use that 95 millimeter Swaro. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but I also bought that baby Swaro. Oh, okay. That's yeah. It's pretty nice. <laughs> it's pretty nice. You go yeah. from the 95 down to that little <laughs> yeah. tiny one. It's, I bet. Uh, yeah, what's it's, your, what's your favorite animal to hunt? You like bears or sheep? I or? mean, I mean, I guess I have to say bears. Yeah, you know, but they're all fun. Yeah, the, you know what I mean. It's like when you're watching the blacktail rut and you're in the height of that blacktail rut. Yeah, it's tough to beat that. It is so much fun. Yeah, I love mountain goats for how mm-hmm. cocky they are. Yeah, and like the steep, nasty terrain that they get in, mm-hmm. and uh, they're beautiful. You know, uh, big white wavy coats. You know. Uh, they are they're beasts, man. Yeah. And um, but sheep are obviously very majestic, but they also give me probably the most stress. Really? I put the most stress on myself sheep hunting. How come? Um, because it's very physical, very very physical for guys. Not it, I'm not saying physical for myself. It's physical, sure, but mm-hmm. uh, it's physical for a lot of the hunters that yeah. we're taking. It's very physical. And um, same thing with goats, but in terms of sheep are so scared. Yeah. They're scared. Yeah. And they see something. Goats are very uh, planned out. Here is our goat trail. We will evacuate the area down this trail mm-hmm. and we will go here and you can, you can plan on That's that. That's what they're going to do. You literally could have a guy sitting there on the trail and they <laughs> yeah. will walk out that trail, right. you know? And so, but sheep... I mean, sometimes they may go on a trail, yeah. but otherwise they're just running out of there. Yeah. And I've watched bands of rams, you know, one of them probably fart and they jump up and they run <laughs> for 500 to a yards to a mile Yeah, for no reason, mm-hmm. no reason at all. Or get up in the goat rocks and it's like, yep, couldn't do anything. Yep. And so sheep, what I do typically, and this is me, myself and I, I, I have a camp in my back at all times mm-hmm. and I will not, as soon as I find the ram, he does not leave my sight. The only time he's not in my sight is if it's dark. Yeah. And, uh, I try to camp right over a ridge, right over a mound, do something to where I can get up and just look mm-hmm. and make sure I keep an eye on him. Yeah. And, uh, cause some of these areas, you know, sure you could find some spots that have a lot of different rams in there, but it, you know, when you're, when you're hunting, the areas where it's eight-year-old ram, full curl, or boomed on both sides, you know, sometimes you're just not finding as many, excuse me, um, legal rams yeah. always. And yeah. when you do find a legal ram, you better, or better one that you it. really want, you better yeah. stick with them. Yeah. There's some guys I know that, oh, it's long days and, you know, 
I just get up whenever and go after them. That's not the way I hunt sheep, man. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, if anything during the day while they're bedded, it's sunny, you know, uh, me and my hunter, if you got to take a little cat nap, yeah, take a little cat nap, mm-hmm. you know, during when the sun's up and it's, uh, you know, you could see them. Yeah. Uh, but I am, I am on them till dark. Yeah. <laughs> and I wake up in the morning, I'm rolling over and I'm looking, okay, he's still there. Right. Um, that's just kind of what I like doing. And sometimes you got to make big move when that downdrafts are in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the night, you may have to get up really early and make a move up that, up into that bowl, um, while those, uh, air currents aren't coming up towards them, you know, cause some of the stuff, like, especially in the Chugach, you can't just jump on a ridge and walk around the ridge and, and go over there. It may not be passable, yeah. you know? Uh, so it's just, I love sheep hunting. Um, we went to Northwest territories this year, um, did a, did a fabulous sheep hunt there. That was my first time to I go there. the McKinsey mountain reference oh, in there. Yeah. 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 It was beautiful. We were over there at Canola Outfitters and, uh, took my buddy Jonathan Blank and um, from Salt Lake, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. We had a really so really. Did good you time. work for Canola Outfitters? I was strictly there as a packer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, just helping out. Yep, we had yeah. our guide from there. Uh, buddy Cash was guiding, and um, and so I was strictly there to. You didn't say a word. <laughs> I didn't need to. Yeah, I didn't need to because uh, he's a good guide. You know, yeah. it was actually very. The, my only stress, so we're taking Jonathan. Jonathan's a double amputee uh, mm. Marine and, you know, great guy and uh, took him goat hunting last year, ended up drawing a goat tag, got him up on the mountain with a good team of guys, uh, killed a mountain goat mm. and um, really cool experience and then brought him down to Wild Sheep Convention because they were showing like a, uh, a little short of the hunt mm-hmm. um, one of the evenings and got him, to, you know, introduced to several of the people there. And uh, there was a really um, great, generous family there that said, yeah, you should probably go sheep hunting. Mm. And uh, they came to me and said, we'd like to donate our sheep hunt to them. And I mean, it, it floored me. It, you know, I was in tears first thing in the morning when the guy's um, daughter came up and told me about that. And so um, Saturday night banquet, you know, you got over a thousand people in the room. They had Jonathan come up there and and, uh, Gray Thornton, the president said, well, you ready to go sheep hunting? <laughs> and so uh, it was really cool and um, really neat, emotional uh, time. Um, and uh, we, so we uh, went up there end of August this year and uh, got him up there. And first day, uh, able to get him a giant mountain caribou. Wow. And, uh, and then the second day, ended up shooting a ram. And we were out of there the third day. I mean, it happened so fast wow, for us. That's incredible. Because we got into camp, and there were guys that had been in there ten days, and <laughs> and so I had John on the um, on my pack I built, and we're just kind of we're doing a little a few warm up things on the um, runway, and these guys get in, and they're kind of like, what, yeah, what is this? How much does he weigh? <laughs> John weighs, he says 135. I think he gained a little weight on this hunt, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, he's what, about 135. Yeah. Um, and then so, but uh, yeah, these guys were like, what are you guys going to do? It's like, <laughs> oh, we're going to go sheep hunting. And, and, you know, it's like my thing is like it's just, yeah, it may take us 10 days, yeah. but whatever, one step at a time. And mm-hmm. we're not going to go fast. It's just uh, we take our time, take it in, and, uh, you know, you assemble a good team of guys and um, just – get the job done, yeah. you know, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I think it was like, 
we had a lot of people praying for us mm-hmm. and um i that's my I never pray for, hey, I, you know, Lord, let us go kill something. Mm-hmm. I just pray for strength, wisdom, and courage to do the right things mm-hmm. and to have a good outcome and to, you know, hopefully inspire others to get out there, to do things for others, and especially like in our military with those guys, getting them back out in the field um, and, and showing them that you can, you know, still be a part of these adventures, especially these guys that are affected majorly by war. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's pretty cool for myself uh, the good lord has blessed me with i guess a little bit of strength yeah <laughs> to uh just walk with a heavier pack on and mm. um and so it's really you know it's my way to be able to get guys out there and yeah. one of the cool things that we found out like last year because um, my buddy um kevin dana owns barney's in anchorage you've probably been in that shop mm. Uh, he he kind of helped me with the pack frame and then another uh, uh, custom seamstress uh, worked on some things um, through like this at the custom shop they uh, a lot of we had calls afterwards from fathers wanting to take their sons out and daughters mm-hmm. that were paralyzed I see yeah and that was the majority of calls really were, were uh, parents wanting to get their kids out mm. and we're like wow that's incredible that's cool yeah it is that's cool how that how that how did he ride on your pack was it really good good, yeah Yeah. honestly because there's a meat shelf on the back of those pack frames and um the problem was the meat shelf i found out uh when you first get on it it wants to come in so you'd set that quarter on there Mm -hmm. right and then it it kind of clamps into it i thought ooh, that won't be good that'll pinch him yeah and so we grabbed another one of the frame bars and attached it and made you know it comes down to a 90 then at 45s down Hmm. and i bolted it in Mm because it was just a pin in there that could move so i bolted them and uh doubled up the sling which we carry 160 pound bear hides on that stuff yeah we knew it but i definitely don't want it to break out there right so we just bulked it up a little bit Mm -hmm. and it actually rode very well um uh and so um but yeah it's just kind of one step at a time um and uh you know, John just encourages me not to be a pansy, you know, keep going. <laughs> and so that always uh, helps me. Well, How far do you have to go? Uh, goat hunt, we went up about 2,000, a little over 2,000 feet. I mean, mm. it was about a five-mile round trip in, so we didn't have to go super far in. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to lie, I was glad it wasn't any further. <laughs> That's a long way with um, that much weight. Yeah, and, um, and then on the sheep hunt, I mean... <sighs> Glenda, the outfitter, really took good care of us and put us in a spot that it was a little more like rolly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I would say plateaus that went up into some of the steeper shale mountains. And in that place, you know, the sheep were just on the cusp of the steep okay. uh, shale. And, we, you know, we were we had to go a few miles mm-hmm. to them, but it was fairly easier going terrain. And, uh, but you know, we killed the ram right at dark, a few miles from camp, and then, um, uh, just stayed out. We left the kill site at like 1 30 in the morning, and you know, we look up, it was so magical. We had northern lights just banging up in the sky, so awesome. Wow. And I mean, it was probably the best display I have personally ever seen, really, just because I haven't seen a ton of them actually. Because in Kodiak, we don't get yeah. the northern lights as much. Mm-hmm. 
And so that was really special for us to, you know, I would take like oh, a 20 man. minute break, sit down and just, <laughs> just watch. Like, and, and John was blown away by it. John oh, was so stoked. What a special experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we almost ran our cameras out of uh, just space just because of we're like, oh man, I got to try to, of course you can never get it <laughs> yeah. as good on your cell phone, as right? As you can see. Yeah. But luckily we had some photographers there that was able to grab some pretty cool stuff. But, you know, I told the guys, I'm like, hey, there's no reason to hike back to camp and I don't want to, you know, fall and hurt myself or John. So let's just camp out here. We just stayed in a little creek bottom and it was really lovely evening and we woke up and uh, cooked up some uh, tenderloins backstrap for breakfast over like the little slate rock and made a fire. It was, it was Dude, great. That's once in a lifetime experience. You got to do that kind of stuff out yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's very special and, you know, I was really uh, felt very blessed to be able to, oh, um, you know, have that experience with those guys. And, and like I say, you know, you, you, you asked, well, did <laughs> about what I did? That's literally all I did was care. And I, I wasn't stressed <laughs> at all about my, my stress is to just not drop John, Yeah, you know, uh, don't fall. And, um, because I knew our guide cash was like a legit, very mm. good sheep guide, very yeah. good guide all around. So it was, I literally had zero stress about that. I oh, knew good. he would, do anything and everything possible yeah to get it done and yeah. and he's a beast as well so it was a lot of fun we had a, a wonderful time up there so it was really yeah. cool to see because you know i uh watching those old gordon eastman videos up there yeah right i know so cool yeah. so cool um those are you know like i've told the eastman boys it's like man one of the tax members i've worked with in kodiak forever I would go over in the mornings to go flesh or in the evenings and he'd be like, Hey, I'm inside having coffee, watching the video. Okay. <laughs> so I'd go in there and have coffee and we'd be watching, we'd watch the same video over and over. And it was up there, you know, Gordon hunting sheep up there, yeah. same camp. Oh man. Same camp. That's How awesome. special is that to be that able to awesome. go up in the mountains right where, he, you know, it's just one of those iconic yeah. films and the, in the, in the music is like therapeutic. <laughs> it's almost like, music. yeah, it's just classic therapeutic uh, stuff and the narrating. It's pretty neat. You know, yeah. that's why I was telling John, I'm like, man, we're blessed to be here. And he thought oh. that was very cool, you know? So that's a, what, what a, I mean, those are, it is a once in a lifetime experience to have all those things come together on a hunt and have it all work out like that with the big caribou, mm. a ram, you being there with the Northern lights, just the whole staying out. It's just like, it was scripted. It couldn't have went any better. And yeah. you're out of there in three days. That's unbelievable. I think we were home. We were out of there, or we were at least back in camp before the other hunters even were home. <laughs> oh, God. I, and I honestly think we had so many prayers going up that it was it like must've. God was like, all right, all right, we got to get these guys done. This yeah. is this is a little bit much. I mean, a pastor of our church there in Kodiak was like, I was traveling. I told my dad, and my dad had his church praying for you, and then all these other people I knew of. And I was like, I wow, you know, yeah. like I find this out afterwards. I'm like, it's no wonder we got this done. Yeah, a lot of power. It's yeah. Power of prayer is very, very, uh, it's very impressive. I will say that. Man, well, that sounds like a, a great trip. Good job on being part of that. Well, I was just like say fortunate to be able to be a part of those things and uh you know the big thing is is getting guys like john out into the field um you know because like i say otherwise they don't get to do it and the thing is those kind of guys are extreme people mm -hmm. they did an extreme job and they loved that extreme job mm -hmm. and after you know being hurt or wounded or what whatever you want to call it i mean 
a lot of people that want to take people hunting in those situations want to throw them in a buggy, mm-hmm. drive them out somewhere. Not so extreme. And be like, okay, man, shoot from the truck, shoot from, and, and, yeah. and, and, and thank you to those people yeah, who, because yeah. that's what they can do. Right. And, and some so guys, they know probably. that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But the things I like to do for these guys, especially the guys that I've been able to do it with, um, I want to make them feel like, cause I tell them these are the exact same hunts that I take my other guys on. Yeah. I'm not doing anything different for you right. on this. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know. Like we're gonna help you as much as we can. Yeah, maybe hired a couple more guys to be in here to help. Um, but this is the exact same float hunt. This is the exact same mm. goat hunt. Um, it was pretty cool with John. We were sitting there at the Wild Sheep Show and and uh, in my booth, and this guy came in, outfitter buddy of mine from Colorado, and he uh, he um, said, "Hey, nice to meet you, John." And he goes, oh, you got a goat, I see. Yeah, there's a picture on there. Cool. He goes, yeah, I hunted it. I said, yeah, um, Russ hunted goats meat last year too. Oh, really? Russ said, man, I wouldn't do a really crappy spot. God, it was it was trash. God, <laughs> I hated it. I was stuck in there, man, and blah, blah, blah. It hurt, you know, I was hurting my ankles, hurting my feet, all this stuff. It was, it was horrendous. And I showed him, I said, yeah, this is where John shot his goat. And he goes, you took him the same spot I did. It, and, you know, it was good for John to see too because yeah. he was like, oh, wow, you did take me to yeah. like a legit yeah. spot because that guy was like, you're crazy. How did, why did you take him in there? Uh, like, well, we take him where the goats are, man. That's right. We take him where the deer are, take him where the sheep are. Like, yeah. it is what it is. But, the, you know, those guys, especially in the like special operations mm-hmm. community, you know, it's really cool to be able to get them back out there and, and let them make what they want of it. Mm-hmm. If they need a little extra help, we will do that. Yeah. But some of those guys want a little bit of, you know, struggle, a little bit of, to show them, you know, uh, they can still do this, you know. Um, we took a, some guys out Audad hunting in Texas at my buddy's place, and we took a guy, Clint Trial, amazing individual. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that dude. Yeah. And it was great. like his first, like, legit hunt after... Um, his injuries and, and to watch him, you know, double amputee, you know, he's got prosthetics, but it's, it's very painful to watch him on uneven rocks and stuff. But, you know, we, Hey, what do you need? And he's like, Mm -hmm. Nope, let me do this. Mm -hmm. And to watch him, you know, move over these rocks and to get into position to shoot for audads down in these canyons and whatnot. I mean, it was it was painful, but also very powerful to watch. Yeah. And that was really, really cool. But, uh, and I, th- I thank Evan for, from Blackheart for, you know, hooking us up to, to take him. Cause yeah. those are, I love taking those kind of guys that they don't want it easy. They want mm-hmm. to be able to, cause after that, okay, all right, I can do this. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't, but I can still yeah. do this. That, that's the cool thing to watch those guys. Where did, where the interest of, trying to help guys like that come from, from you just like an evolution to, to there? Or have you always had this allegiance to military? You know, um, so I never served. Uh, you know, it was kind of weird. My grand, my grandfathers, both of them, World War II. Well, one was World War II, one was uh, Korean War, but it wasn't really talked about or anything. Mm-hmm. My interests were always going to Alaska, but once, it, you know, then uncles in the Coast Guard, okay. But once I got up there, I got to know... Um, we have a Navy SEAL training base up there. Mm-hmm. Got to know several of the instructors over the years. Um, you know, John Barklow, you know John. Right. 
met John in 2003, mm-hmm. and he came, and I was on a, a volunteer search and re- mountain search and rescue deal there, and uh, he came in to give us a talk about how to wear uh, clothing, mm-hmm. you know, just strictly on how to layer, how to use your, your clothing. Mm-hmm. And that really opened my eyes for how to, you know, just appropriately dress in the mountains, right? right? So, but like through John and, and other, just getting to meet instructors over the years mm-hmm. and getting to know those types of individuals and hanging out with them and seeing their brotherhood and, you know, going to barbecues with them and them like welcoming me into their groups and just, you know, that was like really cool. And it was kind of also for me like, man, I wish I wish we had more time in life because that seems like such a, I'm like, I'm just going out hiking around mm-hmm. in the woods, you know, shooting animals. Like yeah. I feel like there's other parts like, man, I, I kind of wish I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish there was more time that I, I could, you know, go do that. But I have to, you know, we all know we can't, can't go back and change anything and I wouldn't right. now mm-hmm. but it's like now I like to after seeing some of those guys be affected by war or just uh, and especially like meeting Evan and those guys from Black Rifle and him because uh, like the other big part was uh, going and helping out at one of the the first uh, Black Rifle adaptive athlete shoot for archery mm-hmm. went to help those guys uh, just learn how to shoot bows mm-hmm. and, I mean and a lot of these guys were all uh, either amputee, you know, arms, hands, uh, legs, whatever. And a lot of them were first time bow shooters. Mm. And so that was really cool. Went to the Easton, um, uh, center there to help them. Salt Lake. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Evan had bought them all kit, new kits, bows mm. and everything and, uh, full kits of stuff. And so they just showed up, they had a case with their name on it. And so we were just teaching guys and a lot of stuff, like some of these guys, okay, they're missing a leg. And you're thinking, okay, they got hands, they should be able to do this. Well, IED would blow up in lots of fragments in their hands, so they can't feel their hands. So right. some of the guys couldn't really feel their trigger fingers. Mm. We had one gal that had a pretty messed up hand, and the whole goal was just for guys to shoot the bow. Yeah, yeah. Not like, mm. wow, amazing technique. Right. It was, I remember one of the gals, we got it strapped. Uh, she couldn't hold it in her hand. She was really strong. She worked out all the time, but she couldn't really hold it in her hand. So we got it strapped in between her fingers. Wow. And we strapped it on there. Mm-hmm. And she finally was able to pull back. And when she shot that arrow, Evan and I looked at each yeah. other and like literally we were trying to hold back our tears because she was crying. And it was just like just releasing the wow. arrow. Yeah. Releasing the arrow mm-hmm. was magic. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what was really cool. Right. To see all those guys, there's a handful that could shoot their bows pretty good already. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got another guy sitting there with the mouth tab, you know, yeah. shooting and all this stuff. And it's like that to me, being around that, that community of people was like, yeah. okay, this is what I, I want to do. I need to be able to do this each year, you know. Yeah, and um, that's important. Yeah, it's just, but like getting to know a bunch of those guys over the years um, has been, been a really neat experience for me. And I've, and, uh, so, and, and, you know, my other like passion is for like kids, you know, that's the next big thing is I would love, I know it's harder because it's Alaska, mm-hmm. right? And you can't just send a bunch of kids up on a jet to Alaska. Yeah. But if there was something, you know, where, uh, had a chaperone come up with mm-hmm. some, 
you know, teenage kids or something that don't have as much uh, hunting mentors, right? right? And to get them out there because that was me. My parents didn't hunt. No mm. one of my family hunted. And so, I mean, if they did, it was very light. My dad, my first memories was my dad walking across the yard with some pheasants while I was playing in the backyard. It was mm. some guys from church. They went out Sunday afternoon and shot some pheasants, I think. And they're walking across the yard. And I just remember thinking, I want to do that. And I was four. My mom yeah. would tell, you were four when that happened. <laughs> and that was my earliest memory. It imprinted yeah. upon me. And so it's kind of one of those, one of those things that, but what I, what I was going to say is that those, my dad stopped hunting immediately after that mm. because, uh, and I blame my sister because my, my mom got pregnant mm. and, uh, my dad sold his guns, the bass boat, all that stuff. And because they're doing an addition on the house and my oh. dad, I think just socially hunted with friends, yeah. you know, bird hunted in Kansas, right. you know? So it wasn't like his passion, mm -hmm. you know, but I wanted to do it. Yeah. Because I, cause number one, you want to do things your dad does, you know, and I thought, wow, that's cool. That's what adults do. Yeah. But then it all went away. Why I wanted to continue to do it, I don't know. But thank mm -hmm. God uh, when my parents did, uh, after they split up, we moved up to Kansas City, at least in Missouri, actually. And some folks through our church introduced me to an old timer that uh, kind of led me along and got me into hunting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, yeah, if you go get your... Um, hunter safety course, then, uh, you know, we'll take you out deer hunting. And so, yep, done. Went out and got the hunter safety course. Kill a buck. And, uh, yep. First, uh, first season, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those divine things. It was kind of, <laughs> I say divine thing. I was a little impatient sitting at my tree. You're just sitting at a tree and it's at a tree in the Ozarks of Missouri. It's World War II out there. Pow, pow, yeah, pow, pow, pow. You're hearing all these gunshots going off. And I got a little bit antsy, got up towards the end of the evening, walked over towards uh, Glenn's tree because I thought maybe I'll push deer towards him along yeah. the creek bottom. And I got over there. Well, he was gone. Uh. And all of a sudden, pow, right over next to my tree. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> so several hundred yards back, I go walking over there and there's Glenn at my tree and there was a dead doe on the ground. And he just looked at me and he goes, you got to be patient, boy. Yeah. And I was like, dang it. I totally messed this up. Yeah. You know, dang it. If I only had patience, I would have shot it because it is brown. It's down. Yeah. We do not care about horns, nothing. Right. It is deer tag. Can't eat the horns. Or Can't eat the horns. <laughs> So the next morning, all right, we'll go sit over here at this other tree. Well, first light, heard some limbs breaking and and uh, out pops this deer. And I was like, okay, wow, I think it's a buck. And open sight, 30-30, pow, shoot him at 60 yards. And, uh, you know, got over there, pulled him next to my tree, waited for a while, waited for old man Glenn to get over there. Nothing. I run over to his tree. He's gone. I go up there and he's just sitting up there we passed each other somewhere in the brush and, <laughs> and he's up there gutting my deer and he wouldn't even talk to me. And I was like, Oh man, did I mess up? Did I mess up? And he just looked up, he goes, no, you did real good. You did real good. And I was like, okay. I just didn't know, how, you know, <laughs> what, how reactions should yeah, be, right. you know? And, uh, we go to, tr we end up putting the back of the truck, go to church, show these people. Everyone's like, wow, wow. Oh man, that's a big deer end up being a 151-inch buck. Whoa. By far the largest deer That's a down in deer. that country. <laughs> it was like, you know, six-year-old buck yeah. in the Ozarks. Wow. Of which, who, how it got through that minefield yeah. of, of uh, you know, hunters right. for and that many years. that many bullets. Whew, 
no <laughs> clue. But yeah. I, yeah, so, uh, you know, and they told me several people like, hey, you should probably mount this thing. And so I called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, uh, they say I should mount this deer. And she's like, well, son, we, we can't afford that. Mm. And I thought, okay. And I didn't argue. I just said, uh, sorry, guys, we can't mount it. And they were just like, are you sure? Because, right. you know, otherwise we got to take the cape or not, yeah. you know. And, and so I said, sorry, I can't. So my dad for Christmas helped make me uh, a plaque to put the horns on yeah. and stuff like that. It was really nice. Still got it. It was really cool, a little wood plaque. And, and uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was my first buck, 150 inch white tail. Still have not killed one bigger. <laughs> really? So yeah. Yep. So <laughs> even down there at the Yeti Ranch in, in Texas? I didn't uh, actually, I never. Uh, I went down there, but we weren't deer hunting. Oh. We were just uh, shooting pigs and stuff oh, okay. like that. Yeah. Is that down? Um, what, what is that? Because I think it's right by where I hunt. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I was hunting. Uh, what is there? Is the Paloma Ranch or yeah, something like that? GK Paloma. Yeah. But I think Yeti, from what I heard, they might be buying it. Oh, your place? Yeah. Well, yeah, so, they got to let you so, go, so right? So the done. hunter. <laughs> I'm done. But I killed that, that big white tail back there. That chicken is what it's called. But uh, he had the white on him. Oh, wow. And that, that was on uh, GK. But then this year I was down there and there was this big buck that were calling Prince. Mm. Supposedly he's only five or whatever. But yeah. he's like... Yeah, he's off limits because they had this agreement with Yeti and GK. <laughs> and of course, this buck, you know, I killed, I killed, I don't know what I killed. I think I killed a buck finally. And then I sat this blind because it was where Prince was coming in. I just wanted to see him. Of course, he comes in 10 yards away, giant, like a 190 inch whitetail, but <sighs> off limits. That's the way it goes. <laughs> it just sits there looking at you, I hanging know. out. That's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of the way that uh, that happens. So but. you've never been able to hunt down there? Not, not for deer? Not for deer. I've hunted at a, a friend's place in um, uh, down there uh, by Carrizo Springs and whatnot uh, a couple of times, like for cold deer. Yeah. Um, but it, I mainly just, it's like, I'm, we're mainly bow hunting and it just doesn't quite work out yeah. or we're looking for this certain eight point or right. nine point or yeah. something of that nature. And, um, I, I maybe shot one in the high fence one time that their ranch manager was like, Hey, we need this one out there. But I didn't, I mean, no offense. I didn't count that one. So, <laughs> but I mean, that one was probably a little bit bigger than yeah. that 150. But like I say, it's not, I'm not going to be yeah. personally going to. Well, 150 is a big white tail. Yeah, um, especially for your especially open sight thirty thirty. Open sight thirty thirty, man. It's I, a hell of a shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, but that's what we always shot with. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I bought, uh, uh, I thought, okay, I saved my money and I bought a Bushnell scope and put it on there. Four power. Yeah, or maybe a three Bushnell to nine banner. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I was like sniper. I know. I'm a sniper. <laughs> oh, I know. I am a sniper so now. Sick. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when you're, well, because you, I mean, you hunting up here in Oregon for blacktails yeah. is super thick, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we hunt the logging unit, so you can have longer shots. But my first, my first deer or first rifle was a model 99 300 savage oh really yeah nice. so it was a lever action yep um but had a bushnell banner on it yep and, you know Old hey, bushnell banner i know those worked yeah man i took and i think i put that on my my first long range rifle i bought still in high school bought a seven mag and uh 
I put that on there. And man, when I moved up to Alaska, I put a, a nicer scope on and it never shot the same. Really? Never shot the same as with uh, that bush. Elevator. What was the scope you got? <laughs> oh, I mean, it was a good, it, I think I bought a used loophole or something, oh. which I have tons of loophole. I love loophole scopes. It's all I shoot. And, but uh, it was like one I bought at a pawn shop. Probably dropped. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I need to send it back. They'd probably redo it or give me a new one. But I thought, no, this is, this is like the history, you know. The gold ring, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where when I say like the banner, I was able to hit pennies yeah. like within a penny at a hundred yards, and then it went to like an inch and a half group or something. That's probably my rifle. It's probably not really the scope, but <laughs> it's anyways. But no, it was uh, it was good. Those are good times, and I think uh, you know one of the things. Um, a while back, I was talking with Bert Soren, which I know Bert was on here, right? Yeah. No, he hasn't been on here. Oh, Bert was it? No, no, he hasn't oh, been here yet. Okay. Um, so, but uh, Bert, good buddy of mine, and but we talked about like um, having mentors. Yeah. And and those mentors helping you know young people get into hunting and and having someone you can talk. And it's not necessarily about young people; it's about a person getting into hunting. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Roy was there with you yeah right definitely and i know you looked up to him but having those people to look up to and bounce stuff off of yeah is is like really important and uh it's it's uh that's what i try to tell guys now because i know you get reached out all the time mm -hmm. right about hey i'm thinking about bow hunting hey i'm thinking about elk hunting what should i do you know and all this stuff and you know my thing is, is talking to guys about man going to your archery shop mm -hmm. and hanging out, yeah, being there, you know, uh, being around it. Yeah, go volunteer there. Go, go, just hang out there. Go yeah. be around people. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be annoying and asking where do you go hunting. Yeah. Give me your spot. Yeah. Just be there, yeah. and maybe if maybe someone will invite you to come along. Yeah, and you can learn. Don't and and or just go and help someone pack yeah. out a bowl. Right. You know. Uh, and, and, and just go help them on their hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone just wants to jump into it, go kill their animal and go post it. Yeah. You know, and that's put in the time. Yeah. And it's the efforts. It's the journeys. It's the as, journey. As like to say. The journey. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah. And I've been shooting a bow since probably, I would say first one was probably five, six years old. Then I bought a bear recurve at a garage sale at like um seven and i shot that for a long time mm -hmm. and uh i meant no maybe it was eight eight but uh regardless bought like for 12 bucks and it had like 20 random arrows yeah and but just like i didn't start bow hunting though until i was 15 yeah 14 50 actual so bow hunting years of shoot yeah shooting but even shooting an arrow as you said you know with that adaptive shoot just just releasing an arrow is oh yeah so empowering to yeah. people just watching that arrow arc towards a target mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. yeah and, and you don't even yeah just shooting shooting a bow is so therapeutic mm -hmm. you know it really is because it's like uh i'm not a huge fly fisherman but like if i'm fly fishing I focus. I'm focusing on my technique, mm -hmm. and if I'm shooting my bow, I have to focus. Yeah, you're gonna miss. And you know. uh, and just the practice, getting out there is is very therapeutic for people. And even if you're not a bow hunter, but you go because it, it was interesting, which I always thought, well, everyone who shoots a bow is a bow hunter. <laughs> but come to find out, there's a lot of people who just like to target shoot. Yeah, right. And just and just because you're like, I don't know if I'm ever not gonna shoot a deer. Well, 
you can still go shoot a bow. Yeah. It's still yeah. a lot of fun. No, and you great. never know. You never know when that day may come that someone invites you yeah. to go to the ranch or to, you know, out hiking, you know, here in Oregon or wherever, Colorado, wherever, Alaska. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I can do this. Yeah. I have been shooting my bow. Same thing with guns, right? It's like I do it's like learn the safety, learn the techniques. Yeah, the basics. The basics yeah. first. That's what I've tried to do with this lift run shoot is, you know, a lot of these people haven't been around archery before. So it's yeah. just like they, they probably, they get a bow, they take it home. They probably won't ever hunt some of them. That's all right. Oh, but yeah. some of them might. And like, there's been people who uh, have left here. It's like, they've been shooting their bow every day, you yeah. know? And some people will probably never pick it up again, but whatever. It's okay. It's, you never know. No, it's, it's all good. But that's the... That's the greatest. I mean, I think that's our job as kind of old in the tooth hunters now is like, hey, we need to protect this tradition. And part of that is mentoring people who want to be involved and and spreading the love we have for the pursuit and doing it the right way. And uh, that's how you you leave a legacy, basically. And that's what Roy did with me. And um, you've done with countless of others. And it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of our obligation, I think. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and uh, you know, there's there's like just different um, milestones, I guess, as you get as you get older and moving along um, in life. And, you know, and I still love getting out there. But, man, there's nothing nothing like uh, watching someone take their first animal or or uh, or getting in close and, you know, shooting a bear or elk or, you know, it's it's very, very uh very empowering for them and and showing them that they can do this, you know, and to watch them be able to take their meat home, cook it. You know, it's not rocket science. No, it's not rocket science for a long time, but we're just so detached from it nowadays or some, some people are, some societies are, but, um, yeah, not, not much has changed. No, (laughs) been doing the same stuff for a long time. As long as man's been alive. Do you remember, do you remember the first time that we met? You and I, well, I met, yeah, in Kodiak, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember, yeah, we were uh, at the Shelikoff Lodge, I think. <laughs> I think you I, were coming in, and we were dropping some guys off, and I remember like, I think that's Cam Haynes. Yeah, that's and right. And then some guys in our group, new, new guys in your group, and they got to talking, and then I think uh, we saw you guys at the sushi joint, and we went yeah. over to, we invite you to come over to... Uh, Watch some videos that we did. Whose house was that again? That was Jack King's house, yes, I think. That's we right. Old Jack King. Yeah, watch, yeah. We watched some hunting videos. Yeah, God, that, that, that was, was cool. Fun. Yeah, and the, it was fun. Um, yeah, old Tom Hoffman was there. That's I mean, right. Legendary bow hunter, of which you know a lot of people don't know who Tom Hoffman oh, is, right? He's he not a social a media guy, but no, he has done so much and super slam with the bow. Yeah, all Pope and young animals, I believe. Yeah, and you know the thing is also. Uh, Tom was a huge influence in my life um, for like international hunting. Mm. And a lot of people were like, oh, international, you know, it's expensive, all this stuff. Well, the stuff that I was more influenced by what he was doing was not that expensive. It, and I would just get to know these people at mm-hmm. shows and these opportunities would come, come about. But the point was he showed me these videos of like Azerbaijan, yeah. Nepal, like yeah. all. And I was like, Wow wow look at that and the cultural experiences and because a kid from kansas you know my travel was to go to alaska yeah i had never traveled outside the country 
And so most people haven't. No. And so it was when I first, I think I went on an African trip, um, 2007 or something. And that was, it was really cool. Bought it at an auction for like 2,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a guy that was like my tit money. It was a lot of money. (laughs) And, uh, but, uh, but I was watching these films from Tom Hoffman and Azerbaijan and like he's showing these mules going up the mountains. There's live chickens on the back and that you'd take them up there. You'd eat the chickens (laughs) and, and, uh, and all these really cool things. And so he inspired me to start traveling abroad because the Mm. other thing was as a guide, I'm busy throughout most all the U S seasons. Right. I have no time to go hunt deer, elk, you know, moose, bears for myself. Mm -hmm. It's always closed. And so there were these hunts that I was seeing elsewhere that were in March or June, July, uh, you know, January, February, early December. And, uh, some of my most memorable hunts were, was because of being inspired by Mr. Hoffman uh, watching because he always carried little DVDs with him and he'd hand them out to you. I got them. Yeah. (laughs) I got one for (laughs) sure. Wow. That's so cool. (laughs) And so you never know how many people like that kind of guy has inspired to go do stuff. I, uh, yeah, I remember at the time, I think I got a DVD from him. I think there was five people who, five bow hunters who had done the Super Slam, and they were all at the ATA show at that mm-hmm. time. And wow. They took a picture of him and him and Chuck Adams and probably Bob Fromm and, uh, and I can't remember who else. But anyway, I, that's when I got the DVD from him. And he seemed like just a great guy. I just loved to talk bow hunting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, man. That, and he's so much fun. Um, he, actually, he actually was in... He came into sheep camp right after us in Northwest Territories this, this year. year. Yep, he brought his wife up there. How old is he now? He's got to be pushing 80. Yeah. And um, he actually ended up going, he was just hiking along. And I. we were told he was just going to hang in camp yeah. and let his wife go out hunting. And mm-hmm. he would just chill behind because he wasn't sure if he was up to it. Well, he changed his mind mm. once he got into camp Yeah. and uh, decided, nope, I'm going. But I thought... Well, he'll be back in a few days, probably. He'll burn out and be back. Yeah. He stayed out there the whole time hiking around, and <laughs> really? his wife shot a ram and I think a caribou. And, uh, but I mean, he's, I mean, it's amazing. I only can hope. Yeah. At 80. I mean, he, I he has to be at 80 because when he hunted with me, I think he came and he was 70 on, I think he's hunted with us once or twice. He was past 70 when mm-hmm. he hunted with us and hiked in 11 miles to really? a camp. Yes. For sheep? Brown bear. Brown bear. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So he's, he's uh, you know, just, yeah, it's, I can only hope that I can take care of myself to, uh, to do that. But he is a prime example of, of just being in a really good attitude, um, and inspiring people to, to get out there, especially bow hunting. Yeah. You know, that, I think uh, is Jack Frost still bow hunting up there? Yeah. 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 He's still getting out. I saw him at the Alaska bow hunters banquet, uh, I think this spring. Mm. So he, once again, another just legend. Yeah. A lot of fun to talk to. Oh yeah. Um, just a wonderful guy, you know, and very experienced and, um, those kind of guys, I've, I've always growing up, I always enjoyed being around, uh, of course they don't want to hear this, but like, I always enjoyed being around older guys, yeah. like listening to stories. Me too. I, I was pretty ADD, but <laughs> all over the place. But if someone was telling a hunting story, mm-hmm. I was stone cold locked in, just sitting there, fly on the wall, and yeah. and uh, 
just wanted to listen to the story mm-hmm. and being, you know, as I got older, going to these outdoor shows, meeting these guys and just sitting there at dinner with them or around them, you just, just yeah. sit there and listen. Yeah. That's all you need to do. You know? Have you been to Jack's house? I have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Went to Jack's once or twice, uh, with Hoffman. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I remember and Roy and I stayed there. Did you really? Yeah. Cause it, uh, the first time I spoke up there at the Alaska Bowhunters thing, me and Roy went to his, I think we stayed the night there or I know we went there and mm-hmm. we, you know, he's got that huge brown bear. I think it was number two at one time. Yeah. He's got just tons of stuff, incredible trophy room, mm-hmm. but we were just like, just like you kids in a candy store. Yeah. I mean, just being around a legendary bow hunter is as, as young bow hunters that we were younger at that time, obviously now, now I'm old and, but whatever, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it was I don't know. I mean, I, one of the, the biggest influence I had in this area was we had this uh, bow hunter come in. Jim Hodson was his name. Mm-hmm. And he had hunted Kodiak a lot. And he had this this photo album of big 8 by 10 pictures from Kodiak and Big Bucks. And, and it's just that type of that legacy or that the history of it or sharing the storytelling. It's like that's like so important to hunting. Mm-hmm. And so as... As you said, when you said you're, you know, normally you're ADD, but unless it's talking about hunting and that's the exact same way we were, it's like, this is all we wanted to do here. We wanted to not only listen to stories of big adventure from these legends, but we wanted to have big adventures. What's our story going to be? Yep. And that's what it's always been about chasing the biggest adventure. Yeah. And being around those guys, you know, you're, you pick up these little nuggets, Mm -hmm. right. That are important because it's like, Ooh. They're not like telling you, this is where you go all the time. You know, sure, they may help you on some stuff for sure. But just little nuggets that you're picking up about being out there or being a camp or hiking or, or shooting or when it comes time for, you know, calling an elk or yeah. whatever. You just learn all these things because, I mean, I, I feel like I haven't been doing this that long. But realistically, I've been guiding for 21 years. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things where I still have a lot to learn. And it's very important that for me at least, to keep that attitude that I, I have a lot to learn yet. And if you have that humble attitude of, of trying to pick up things from people, because I learn stuff from my hunters all the time that are just like, I look over and see what they're doing. I'm like, hmm, guess I've never thought of that before. <laughs> Little nuggets on gear, yeah. on whatever, you know. And, uh, or they we're talking about a stock and they mention something and I'll be like, no, we're not going to, that could work actually, you know, but just, so it's, it's good to keep an open mind and, you know, and to pick up things. You know? I think that's, I do think that that's not, I think that's rare for somebody in your position. I think that a lot of guides, I don't know. I don't know. I think they think, I don't know. I know they have a lot of experience or whatever, but I don't think a lot of them have that open mind like you did. And I think it's like, or like you do, I think that's how you keep evolving Mm -hmm. is like not thinking you have all the answers. Cause as you said, it's like somebody could say something, your initial reaction, because you've been doing this your whole life is like, no, we're not. Then you're like, wait a second. I think a lot of guys miss the wait a second. Maybe that would work. And I I think that that's that's how you're going to continue to just get better and Mm -hmm. evolve and 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 just having that open mind, I think, as men, it's just not natural for us. Well, you have to stop yourself because it's I I do this. Trust me, I still do do the old. Nope. And then all of us, you know, but but I have to because we're just uh, 
our ego gets in the way. Yeah. And especially with guides, mm-hmm. it's very common, especially a young guide. You're in charge. Because think about this, and I've seen this all over the world mm-hmm. with guides. This is their only power, potentially, that right. they have. Okay. Uh, I am in control of this person that's coming hunting with me. And they're an employee guide, and this is their control. You're mm-hmm. one-on-one, and they have to do what I say. And uh, <laughs> and sometimes you just got to let them, you know, you let, I've been with guides. I'm like, oh, okay, if you want to do this, this isn't going to work out, but whatever. <laughs> and I've watched, I, I, and I, and I distinctly remember times uh, where old guys would be watching me getting ready to freaking do this train crash. Yeah. And they're like, okay, young man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you have to, there's still to this day when I get in kill mode, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is that mode where I'm like, I'll just tell guys, just don't be offended when I, yeah. I don't mean to bark orders at you, right. but when I tell you don't something, take it do personal. it, just please do it. And as we're going along, cause if you hesitate, uh, uh it could cost us yeah. this animal. So please just listen yeah. and don't ask questions unless it's like very, you know, like if I'm totally missing something, right. Cause guys will screw with you. Yeah. Well, don't you think? And, and you start like, eh, what? like and yeah. all of a sudden you're like, dang it, I should have done that. Yeah. Uh, so it can go both ways, right. but you have to, you got to let it in a little bit to make sure you're not overlooking something, that's, especially like with safety and stuff like that. Yeah. That's one thing that's always, you know, we have a hunted together, but one thing I've always admired about you is your, it's like, I, I'm not, everybody has an ego, but you, I don't notice an ego. You know what I mean? You seem like such uh, open-minded, personable, um, easygoing, uh, confident, but not not like not like overly egotistic. I mm-hmm. mean, and that's one thing that's I've always like. And we've been out to dinners together, and I've seen you interact with people, and it's just like it is rare. It's rare to be such a successful guide and outfitter like you are in such a high stakes business and not have the a noticeable ego because those things you know normally if you're this badass you're killing big brown bear you're the man you're the man you, you need to make sure people know you're the man you know what i mean <laughs> and, and you don't well i mean i first thank you i appreciate that but uh it like I say it's one thing when you when you've done something for so long i mean you should have a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. in yourself and that's the big thing is is your confidence helps tremendously with doing things, especially like uh, doing hard things, you know, and struggles and whatnot. We will get through this, Mm -hmm. you know. And as a guide, you watch guys start crumbling out there and you have to be able to pick them up and to express, don't worry, man, this is going to work out. You know, you're, you're a cheerleader and you're helping them through situations and some of them have a lot going on at home or whatever. And uh, you've got to be able to to do it but it's like for me it's when you when you're out there and you worry about your tent blowing away bears coming in shooting stuff up close and finding wounding bear wounded bears in the brush and making split second decisions and then you know you come out and hang out at shows and talk to people like that's easy yeah you know whatever and but it's like also i know that uh you know i've been blessed and it doesn't, it won't do me any good to be sitting there bragging about what I do. And I don't think that's, that's not the way I was brought up and, and whatnot. Um, 
and I still, you know, I feel so blessed to do what I do, but there's still like parts of me like with social media and stuff that it's like, I like helping people, but I'm also a little bit like, man, I feel like I'm bragging if I'm, (laughs) if I post this about, oh, we did this. Oh, look at me with my, I, I, I still like really struggle with that about worrying that I'm, yeah. being braggadocious or, right. or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but at the end of the day, you know, people enjoy learning things and seeing things, you yeah. know, and, and it's, it gives you more confidence when, you know, you post something and people are like, Oh man, thanks. That really helped me out or whatever, whatever it may be. And that's just what I try to be is a little bit helpful with people. And yeah. I also know we both know there are people out there that are at that desk, right. That only get to get out hunting once, twice a year, mm-hmm. right? And they vicariously live through us, yeah. And they love it; they right. absolutely love it. And That's a lot of people. You yeah. try to inspire those folks to be out there, and so we forget that at times, mm-hmm. or I do. And so there's a lot of you know really good people out there that you know reach out to me and or you and to anyone. Um, in our uh, situations that, you know, that's easy to forget about. Mm-hmm. And um, so they love looking at that. And, you know, when people reach out like, oh, man, that was a really cool podcast or that was a neat, you know, photo. Man, that was cool. I showed my kids, you know, man, they love seeing that. And it's like, oh, man, that, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. it's neat to that there are people out there that, um, you know, unfortunately they don't, they're not able to get out, you know, like we are. You know, we're very blessed to be able to do this. Yeah, I think it's, but I think it's important too, because your story shows that you don't have to grow up in Alaska to, Yeah. I mean, cause if you would have looked at, so you're in Missouri, right? Yep. Yep. Kansas and Missouri. Both. Right. So, and you know, divorced parents, just, mm-hmm. just living in a small town and very middle class. Very, Alaska very. is a long way from there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what's the, what's the chances of you being a guiding outfitter in Alaska, hunting the biggest bears in the world mm-hmm. from that? Yeah. But the fact that you did it because your passion, your obsession with it led you there. And here you are. Now you've been doing it for 21 years. Yeah. So to me, that your story gives people hope that, and not even just kids, but like young men, like mm-hmm. thinking, man, Cole did this. Yep. Cole is like, you know, now everybody in hunting knows your name. Cole Kramer is like synonymous with Big Bear and Kodiak and living an incredible adventurous life. Cole did it. Can I do it? And that's, to me, that's the important part of what you post and how you, how you word it and how you carry yourself is it's like, it's just like, this is possible. Mm-hmm. How bad do you want it? You right. And, and that's the thing is, uh, one of the things I get reached out a lot about, you know, young guys reaching out, whether it be in high school or, or guys looking to change their career. And, um, it's a lot of them are worried about money. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that, of course, when I came in at, you know, 18, 19, I was blessed because I had an aunt and uncle in Kodiak that I Mm -hmm. could stay at their house. But realistically I was gone all the time in the field, just mm-hmm. working for people. But I never asked about money. I just went to go work. Showed up. Just showed up. And, you know, sometimes I get a paycheck, sometimes not. Some people are like, well, we're not going to pay you because we don't really need you out here. But if you want to learn and be an apprentice, you can come out here. Uh, the main guy I've always worked with, he always paid me, but, you know, low amounts of money at first and just all my money went to gear, mm-hmm. you know. And that took years and years for me to get set up with gear. 
you know, for the appropriate gear to not be miserable out there. Right. And, you know, this is, it's, it's very interesting when you think about, it. you know, when you first started hunting, but then like when I, you know, was moved to Alaska in early 2000s, um, just the gear was so different, you know, we're using Cabela's gear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I knew that thing, the Cabela's <laughs> Bible front to back, Yeah, you know? I know. But uh, then, you know, like then switching like mountaineering type of gear and this yeah. and that and the other. But just to see the differences and to try, it's very, my point is it's very expensive mm -hmm. to get set up as a guide. And, um, you know, that can be a deterrent at times, but like I tell guys like, Hey man, you can do this, but it's going to take a little commitment, a little sacrifice. It's going to take some sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for me, sacrificed a lot. <laughs> I'm, you know, 40 years old now, not married, no kids. You know, it's kind of one of those yeah. things where it's like, I've, you know, I've kind of, slow down a little bit on like I used to do a lot of international travel and like go all the time I'm like man I gotta start like you know staying at home a little more hanging out trying to have a little bit of a life I don't know my buddy said he just went fishing up there in Kodiak and he said that one of the there's a girl up there he said <laughs> one of the most beautiful girls he's ever seen and <laughs> it is on Kodiak and she had lost an arm do you know who this is Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, she lost part part of her arm, I think, in a in a like a quad accident. Oh, okay. But she's in Kodiak and she's smoking hot. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he said she right. was beautiful. So I don't know how many how many uh, candidates there are in Kodiak. Oh well, there's actually a couple nice gals. You know, I may be talking to one of them there. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, no, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that's taken a lot of commitment, yeah. uh, to this and, uh, you know, there's a lot of hobby guides out there that come to do the 100 year, two mm -hmm. hunts a year, which is fine. We need those. Yeah. We need those guys, but the guys who want to take it full blown, you know, you got to put your time in mm -hmm. and there's not much money in it at the beginning. But where I was going earlier with that is it's, I mean, Doing, you want to do a job that you love to do, and um, if there's going to be hard times, just like anything. Yeah. But if all you're worried about is money, mm -hmm. you're damn sure not going to be a guide because <laughs> <laughs> that takes a long time yeah. uh, to make any sort of money. Right. You know, I would say it's it's a minimum of three to five years where you're like making you know decent money. You're an outfitter now, right? Yeah. I'm a guide and outfitter, but I still work for two other outfitters and have my own guide service. Mm. So it's a mixture of, of, So you're rich. Oh man. It's like <laughs> unbelievable. The amounts of money I have. It's, uh, <laughs> man, man. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, it's, I, I, I do okay for myself. Yeah. You know, I do okay for myself, but, uh, it's just one of those things. It's what I do mm. is, uh, is just like guiding and outfitting. And uh, like you say, it just takes time and everyone, you know, just focus on if you're wanting to become a guide, you just need to put your time in because you can be an amazing hunter. I mean, you know how this goes, Cam. You could say to me, hey, Cole, I think I want to come up and be a guide. We both know just because you're a really good hunter doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a really good guide. Yeah, probably be a terrible guide. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. But it, the point is there's, we've definitely had some guys come and go that were amazing hunters, but they were really not nice to the, yeah. the clients because 
they treat it like it was their hunt right and they would run after the animal or whatever yeah. but the guy's back there dying and he can't keep up <laughs> yeah. and it's like it doesn't do you any good to run over there if you can't communicate and or help the person along you know uh and and get them there yeah no i know what good does it do Two different and, things and, and what it, a lot of it is is the guy's find out themselves they're like man this just isn't for me right because i can't stand it you know and trust me there's definitely times where i've been pretty frustrated and we you know we definitely try to filter out the people that uh, i don't think are going to be very uh yeah suited for our type of hunting. not a good match not a good match for us and and um and then we, the people that we do take, we still try to match them with the guide we think that's accordingly, yeah. you know, because, you know, it's like my buddy Shane who passed away with mm-hmm. uh, Jim Tweedo. Yeah. I mean, that Shane was, I mean, one of the best, I mean, he's a killer. Mm-hmm. He, that dude, you put him on that mountain for or that animal or for anything, anything. Yeah. anything, doesn't matter. And that dude hunted nonstop when i first met him he just hunted non-stop mm. and he was guiding fishermen in the summertime all the way through then put his sheep boots on and pack and go up in the mountains as soon as he was done he was killing the old deer down in idaho and chasing Jeez. cats and then right back into springs i mean it's just never ending yeah and but that dude you know because when i was uh guiding for lands for a while up there uh Shane and I were good buddies and we never got to actually hunt together for the most part because we were mm. always guiding different guys. We'd get together afterwards, have a beer, hang out. And but like, you know, there was a if there was a guy mm-hmm. that could go, yeah. it was aggressive, you know, Lance like all right, Shane was a guy. This is Shane's going, then he'd give me a guy that was like mission impossible, as he said. <laughs> you may have to encourage this guy, you may have to be a cheerleader with this one. I'm like, oh, thanks. See, that's when am what I gonna get, get a Shane hunter? That's Come what on. you get for being nice. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not no one likes a nice guy. Come on. <laughs> um, but uh but no, it's just it's one of those things like, you know, I mean, the, so you have to know how to match those kind of people. Yeah. You know, but uh but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, Shane, he got what happened with him and with that bear because he got torn up by a bear two yeah, years before. Yeah, a few, a few years before, I think it was two thousand seventeen, mm. nineteen or seventeen. But uh, it was a wounded bear in the yeah, whole, wounded bear in yeah. the brush. I think a guy hit it poorly with the rifle and it mm. went into the brush, and Shane went in there and I think the rifle got caught up in the brush or oh. something of that nature when he went to to when the bear rushed him and got mm-hmm. uh munched on a little bit but i yeah i called him while he was in the hospital and mm-hmm. and uh just chat with him and he, you know when i talked to him i was actually in hawaii at the time hunting axis deer mm. and uh called him and you know he was in good spirits yeah, yeah got he always called me his little buddy he's like well <laughs> he got me little buddy but you know that's all right I, i'm all good uh, like sheesh yeah very scary but you know talking about a guy who just you know got back on his horse and you know right went out there but uh yeah very very good guide but you know yeah, it's just kind of one of those tragedy too i mean because he had young family didn't he yeah also young little girl and wife and whatnot yeah yeah terrible but um but yeah so um yeah it's just one of those deals you never know when when uh things go south as we were saying earlier i think you said like when roy fell didn't you hear on the radio or something or were you i thought you told me maybe it was you but you guys had heard 
somehow. I think I was out in the in the uh, mountains when it when I, I mean because yeah, I either heard over sat phone call or something that yeah. like oh man, just so you know this happened and it was like really, yeah. and then I got I saw you up at that 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 was Alaska Bow Hunters Banquet I believe because mm-hmm. you came up there to to talk and then you were going to see the family afterwards i believe because yeah, that yeah. was in the springtime though mm-hmm. that was a while after because he passed in october october was, yeah. yeah he was on that pioneer peak hunt yeah yeah or they couldn't a lake yeah it was, the, it was the october hunt but yeah i went up there and spoke and his every time i talk about him it's still like i still can't talk normal about it it's mm-hmm. like every time i think of him it's like i just get turn into a emotional baby i guess but it's like it's you know i just remember that i remember i think you told me you heard about it and couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it something like that but yeah i mean well those those people obviously he made a giant impact and it's just one of those things where you know it's a piece of of your heart and your mind body and soul that like is you know he's there but it's gone Mm -hmm. you know and that just it's like do you want that pain to go away no no yeah i mean that's the same like i want to be able to think you know i still sit here um i'll be on a hunt or at home and i think about my uncle robin Mm -hmm. you know he passed 2007 Mm -hmm. and it's like gosh i mean i just wish he was here to see this i wish he was you know i wish that we could, I wish I could show him this. I wish that he could see what his sons are doing. I wish he could meet his grandkids. You know, I just, you think about that and you're yeah. like, ah, ah, you know, and you gotta, you know, you take it in for a bit, but it's just, all right, all right, you know, then move on. But it's like, I I still like having that emotion. You know, it shows that that person was special to yeah. you, you know? And it's, you know, same thing with, with, with Shane, you know, I, had a hunt that I was uh, gonna be doing that was, you know, deer and fishing and some other stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, Shane would be perfect for this. And then I just kind of put my head down like, oh, dang it. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking like, he's gone, you know? And it just, but I, like his 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 name would pop up in my brain like, oh yeah, I should mm-hmm. talk to him about this. And it's like, oh, wait, no, yeah. I can't. I can't talk to him, Yeah, you know? And it's, you know, everyone has their ways of dealing with stuff. And, you know, this year was a rough year. My, my really good friend, Derek, his, his wife passed away, Ruby Blake. And, and it was very, very, uh, it was rough, Mm -hmm. really, really hard on us, obviously for him and his little baby daughter and everything. But it was just like, uh, I mean, you you just don't understand it, how it could have happened, you know, and all this stuff, but it's just very, very difficult but when you sit there and think about, you know, man, this person really was a big impact on my life. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't always know it. Obviously, with Roy, you did know it. But some of us that lose someone in our life that was a friend and you, you, you realize how much and how important that person was in your life. Yeah. You know, it's hard yeah. for hard to explain. Right. Everyone's different. It, yeah. it's, it is difficult to explain for me, at least. But It is. It's like for me, it's like these hunts go and they go great and then it works out the way you want but it's like there's something missing because we'd always whether he killed something i remember he killed a big big bear on kodiak and he called mm-hmm. me on the sat phone or if i killed i'd call him afterwards and so it's like that part's missing the yeah. sharing the part or even being together on a hunt and so it's never it feels like all these great experiences are just a little bit 
less than they could have been, you know? Yep. And it's like, I'm sure you have things you'd want to share with Shane or hear about his thing. Yep. And without having that, it feels like, I don't know. It feels like it's, it's great. The experiences are great, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. It's how I feel about it. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've definitely sat on this side of the mountain before and just had a conversation mm-hmm. and just send it up. And I just, uh, you know, I said, I, I've said it out loud and want them to know, you know, Lord, I hope maybe you can pass this on to him. Maybe he's listening. Maybe he can hear it. Maybe he can't. But it, it's therapeutic to kind of send up thoughts, especially when you're on the mountainside. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's almost like, you know, writing is therapeutic, yeah. right? Writing a, a, a letter or note to someone who's maybe gone or just or not, but just writing stuff down is, is pretty therapeutic, I think. And uh, um, it, I, I like being able to sit there on the mountain and think, all right, I, I told him how I feel. You know, I've, I've, I've shared something with him, you know, on the mountainside, you know, or that he's looking down and watching that what's going on, mm-hmm. you know. And because uh, it was like with my Uncle Robin, I was like, man, so many things were lined up so good when he passed. Like he took care of a lot of things right before he passed. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. And it was just like, man, I mean, it just sucks that he's gone, but did the good Lord need him for something? Yeah. It was because he was such a good guy. Everyone mm-hmm. loved him. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's the way it goes. Yeah. There was a reasoning that they needed him, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's, you can choose to dwell in all the negative things, or you can choose to look at it in a, in a, in a positive light. It still hurts, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's the way I have to personally look at it is like apparently, you know, the good Lord needed him and it was his time. Yeah, it's hard to question that. It's hard to question it for me. Yeah. And, you and, know? and it's hard to, to make sense of it sometimes too because it's like you can't, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't understand sure. everything. But, yeah. I think, you know, and in your line of work, it's inherently risky. So, I mean, you are going to lose, you're going to lose men. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it goes. It's just like, it's part of the job. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you're putting yourself out there. There's going to be challenges. There's, you know, the country, the land, um, the weather, you never know. And so it's, it's going to happen just like, you know, you can't control those plane cra- And I don't know why why Jim crashed what happened with his plane? Do you know? You know, I don't know any, um, I, I don't know all the actual things. I know I think there's been some reports, but it, I, I, I couldn't say yeah. with positivity. Uh, last night I got picked up from the airport, the Uber driver, uh, older gentleman who was a pilot. He has his own plane. He flies around everybody, drops skydivers and this and that, but he, he's his, uh, a guy he works with new Jim. And he brought up Jim. Really? And he didn't know him personally, but he loved watching the show, of course, and yeah. Flying Wild Alaska. And, uh, you know, just he talked about it. And, you know, I had talked with some of the guys there. And uh, one of the guys that was on the ground, but he, he wasn't watching when the plane took off. But it was just kind of like messing with camp. It took off and the plane had just, he'd already done one load out of there. Mm. And that popped right off the ridge, no yeah. big deal. And yeah. a lot of those ridges, as you know, they're up higher. Yeah. Because one speculation was saying oh, maybe he hit a tree, oh. and it was like, well, I don't, I don't think there was trees, trees up there. there so no. why was he down there though? Yeah, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And Jim's not a showboater, right? So 
you know what I mean? He wasn't like showboat yeah. around dropping yeah. off the ridge trying to do so. So I don't know. And I'm not a pilot, so I can't, I can't say, but I just, I personally felt like there was either a catastrophic failure in the mm-hmm. plane or, or maybe a, a health problem that happened with, with Jim. Who knows? Yeah. We don't, I, I don't know. Right. Um, but I just know it was a very, very, very bad, bad crash mm-hmm. and they were dead instantly. Yeah. So, cause, uh, mm-hmm. my buddy ran down there immediately afterwards and they mm-hmm. were gone. So, uh, you know, so it's just hard to say, and like I say, I've flown off those ridges with Jim many a times, um, years ago and, uh, excellent pilot. Yeah. You know, so, um, it, it, there may be a report. I just haven't, I just haven't read it you know um but uh normally the wind on those ridges it allows you to pop up pretty quick mm -hmm. you know because they Mm -hmm. use that wind yeah to get up but yeah it's hard to say yeah it's hard to say you know um yeah just just one of those one of those tough deals that happens um all the time it seems like in alaska where some of it's uh a lot, a lot of crashes are due to the pilot, mm-hmm. and then some are catastrophic yeah. failures of some sort, you know. But just like with anything, a lot of these pilots are, you know, they read all these reports so they can figure out how to handle these situations right. when it does happen, right? Yeah. And um, uh, it's just like with us, with dealing with bears or sheep, goats, up in nasty trains, how do we deal with these situations when they arise uh, if something of an emergency comes up? Mm-hmm. Or how do we stay out of this situation uh, so an emergency doesn't come up? Yeah. You know, but ultimately over the years, things are going to happen. You know, we've had guys have heart attacks out there, um, guys falling. I've fallen, you know, thought I've broken stuff over the years, but it's just a matter of... <laughs> Is there a pilot, Jim Lechner? Is he's did he, did he die? He was up there in Kodiak. He was who me and Roy Lechner, used. Lechner. There was a Lechner, but or it's maybe not it's Jim. Jack. Jack Lechner. Jack. I, you know, I want to say he is still alive, but not flying. I oh. believe. But yeah, he would. Well, yeah, I think he's still around, but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm probably we, thinking of another guy. He may have passed, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure on that. But yeah, he was an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I never got to fly with him, but I heard a lot of really cool yeah. and interesting stories. Yeah, it was just like, I, I just never forget when you think you're supposed to get picked up, so you're laying there and you're just listening for every plane, yep. you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. oh my God, seems like time could never go slower. Yeah, and every little you're sitting there and you're trying to hear it first. Yeah, you know, is that wind or is that a is that a plane? Yeah, and guys will be sitting there, planes coming. I'm like, dude, that's a C-130 flying over. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> that that's is a military us. plane yeah. flying over. That's not for us. Uh, right? oh, no, okay. Yeah, there's no other quite feeling of desperation when you're waiting to get picked up. The hunt's done or whatever. Or it's like, okay, we're out of here, but need the plane. Well, our guys the other day, you know. Um, guy was waiting and like planes coming in and a big rain squall comes in so the guy to like turn i mean the, he's in the valley and this huge squall came that was like super windy and the guy turned around and so they yeah. wait another day they're like ah the plane's oh, right, there. right there and they'd already been stuck a couple of days so well, and that's just kind of the the way it goes right i don't uh, know if you remember that story where roy and dwight shoe were on kodiak and they got stuck for like i think it was 21 days oh because they were oh. where they were hunting, had to land on the river. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the river froze, so yeah. you know they're landing on floats on the river, and it's just like. Do you remember what year that was? Uh, let me think. 
Um, I know I hate being called out. Like, what year was that? It's like, oh, crap, I know. I never could remember those. Because we went through a couple of really bad probably freezes. probably like 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there were some really, really bad. I remember there were some bad winds, and then it got really cold. People were froze up in places. And uh, that's probably, yeah. Man, that may have been. 2011, yeah. 2012. Yep. yep. Maybe 2010. I don't know, but. They were stuck for, I just remember the story that, you know, the pilot came in, was going to bring him food and dropped a ba uh, bag of food. Couldn't land, mm -hmm. but dropped a bag of food. And Roy said they were expecting like pizza or something like that. And it was yams. <laughs> it was from, canned yams. From, from uh, Lechner? I don't, I, I can't remember <laughs> if it was him or not yams. at that time. But it's like, yeah, let's drop them yams. We I, couldn't find anything else. It was just something crazy. It's just like, what, this is what, could they've been eating deer for, oh, know, yeah. for three weeks, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the risk of Kodiak. It's like, you, you always know. take extra food, to extra fuel. And um, it is kind of comical, though, because, you know, these pilots are doing their best. You yeah. know, they really are. And they got to be cautious. And the, these you'll hear the stories because we, we plan on, you know, potentially staying in there uh, days more. Yeah. And uh, the stories, though, we're out of food, we're out of food. How many deer did you shoot? You know, and of course, oh, we've got six deer. And it's like, okay, you're not out of food, dude. <laughs> you've got fuel, you yeah. got food, you're going to need to eat some deer. Okay. Right. And they're yeah. like, yeah, but well, we just need to really get in. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Everyone needs to get in. Yeah. We know you're frozen. So is everyone else. Right. So, I know. It's, it's the real deal when you go up there. You got to have good tents. You got to have good gear. You got to have plenty of food and fuel. And it's just one of those, one of those things. And you I know. don't know. I was going to ask, you said that, you said a recurve guy shot the bear in the head, but <laughs> did you say that was going to be like a world record? Uh, yeah. Cause it was 29 and change at the time. And that, that, uh, at the moment it was 28 and five sixteenths or whatever so it was. It would have been over. Yeah. Is that the biggest bear you've killed? Um, no. Cause in 2018, um, my buddy Chris Kamak actually shot the world record on the peninsula with oh, me. Oh, did he? Yeah. So for archery. And so that was the record was 29 and three sixteenths and his was 29 and uh, five. And then it dried four sixteenths. So it dried oh. one sixteenth less, <laughs> which we were all like pins and needles. That, and so it beat the current one at uh, by a sixteenth. Wow. So is it the current world record? Yeah, still oh, is the man. current world and you record. you guided it. Mm -hmm. Oof, that's but, awesome. You know, uh, honestly, and I, people could think I'm being cocky about it or whatever, but I am the best. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. But what I was going to say is it wasn't uh, throughout my guiding, of, you know, with bow hunters and starting my first bow hunt I was on was probably like 2003, four. Uh, when it happened, it was like, all right, we got it. Cool. I mean, I was surprised, but it wasn't like. Like, I can't believe this. It yeah. was just, it honestly, in my brain, I was like, okay, we got it. Like, it was just like the goal. I knew yeah. we would, it, I just felt like we knew we would get it. Right. Yeah. It would just, because. You just did what you're supposed to do. The thing is, we on on our bear hunts, the thing is, you're, you're hunting mature, large mature boars, okay? And with targeting those types of animals, of which that's what the biologist would like you to take, mm -hmm. you know, if some of them want a well-rounded harvest, 
But uh, most of the ones, and especially for us guides, are our targets are large, mature boars. Mm -hmm. And when you're a bow hunting guide, that I don't treat them any different than a rifle guy. Than a rifle guy, mm-hmm. some bow hunting outfitters say you're going to shoot the first bear we can get up on. If it's a single bear, that's what you're going to have to shoot. Well, why? Yeah. If you know how to hunt them and can get up on, you know, uh, the situations, we don't we don't need to make some sort of adjustment. Mm-hmm. Per side, we're just we'll just wait for a, a large mature bear. Yeah. Um, and so with with doing that, the outcome is you're you're killing really old boars for the most part. And those old boars have large skulls mm-hmm. and obviously very large bodies. Um, and so it just kind of comes with it. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. just like anything. If you're going to shoot young animals, you can't expect them to be in their prime. Right. And if you're hunting old, mature animals, you could get a world record. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things. It's not like we were, we knew nothing of that bear. Yeah. We were not hunting, uh, world record bear. We're just hunting big, a big, big male. Male. Yeah. And I had no clue it was that big because the thing is with bears, those skulls are within, obviously within the skin. And there's you can have a lot of fur on the edge yeah. of, your, of your heads where they look really wide or appear really long or vice versa. Really they can know. have a big overbite, underbite. Yeah. So how you're measuring those skulls. So that's how you would classify world record bears by skull, mm-hmm. right? And I'm saying this for the audience, uh, is you take the length and width of the skull, add it together, and that is how you get your measurement. 28 inches is Boone and Crockett or um, like record class. Uh, and I don't even know what Pope and Young is, but it's pretty small to make, I, th- I think. Like at least on yeah. Kodiak, what I mean is most single boars are going to be are going to be in Pope and yeah. Young. It's yeah. set pretty low. Might be 22 or 21 even. Something. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, you're going to get in Pope and Young, but the, but like the, you know, 28 is what Boone and Crockett is for like rifle or mm-hmm. just any of that, that type of deal. But uh, regardless, um, a lot of those old, older mature bears are all in the 27s to, you know, high 27s. And then you get in the 28s. But the thing is I have the very first recurve bear that we got with the guy built his own bow and arrows and everything um shot it there on kodiak when i watched that bear we watched it for like two days before we got him killed i thought 100 percent sure this would be the world record Mm. because it had like arthritis in his hips like he looked very he wasn't injured Mm -hmm. he was just he he was ancient ancient and i thought this is as big as they get he's he's you know right at 10 foot you know Mm -hmm. whatever and when the hunter got a shot off and, you know, killed the bear, uh, you know, he was 27 and 316. That's all that bear's ever gonna be. It's just yeah. his genetics, just yeah. like some people, right? Yeah. Not everyone's gonna be 6'5, right? right? Um, maybe you'll grow there eventually. <laughs> Probably. I, I'm almost there, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, it's just one of those things. And so you never know. Yeah. But you, the whole goal is it doesn't matter. It's just the old, mature, animals what we're going for yeah. same thing with goats i don't really care how long the horns are I'm, I'm trying to harvest old mature billies right and a lot of them have you know worn chipped off horns and whatnot but man when they're 300 350 pound animals you know huge glands behind the horns and they're just you know very mature yeah that's what you're going for yeah. it doesn't matter if it's Kill nine them. inches eight and a half whatever yeah. it's just a very very old you know animal so with bears it is the outcome of 
hunting old mature animals. And it just so happened to be mm. a world record. You yeah. Know? And that's so, awesome. Um, I keep saying we're going to bring that's on the Alaska Peninsula. And about every single bow hunter I take out, I call Chris, say, well, hope you've enjoyed having it. <laughs> it's going to change. Are the bigger bear on the peninsula right now? Um, Kodiak has it. I mean, I've taken more Boone and Crockett bears on, on Kodiak. Oh, okay. Uh, they're both great areas. Like our areas are both spectacular. But peninsula, you don't need to draw, right? It's, it is a registration over yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep, you don't have to draw on the Alaska peninsula. They're both amazing and of course here's the deal mm-hmm. if you're an outfitter and that's where your areas on the alaska peninsula you're of course going to say yeah, it's, the it's the best area <laughs> if you're on kodiak of course kodiak is the best area yeah they're both spectacular they're both magical you know they're both really really impressive i just try to uh line up hunters and take them to number one where we have an opening number two we have some guys that just want to hunt the peninsula or want to hunt Kodiak. Mm. Some guys have hunted the peninsula first and now we want to hunt Kodiak. Yeah. It's a, you know, Kodiak is a majestic yeah. place. It's magical, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but both of Renowned. them are really, really cool. You know, they're both amazing. And, and it's funny because, you know, every single guy, when you walk up to a booth and you're looking at the photo book and they're like, wow, 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 those are big bears. Man, I wish, and then you book the hunt, you're out there, and you're like, gosh, and you're out there five days, and I wish, man, I wish I got a bear like that guy. Man, I wish I had that guy's luck. I'm like, you realize every single guy has thought the exact same thing on this pamphlet here. Yeah. They all were like down in the dumps for the right. most part. Very rare does it happen just so yeah. fast. Everyone's in great spirits, and then you go shoot your bear, it's done. It's very rare. Most yeah. of them are like, dang. You got to earn it. Yeah, they've had to earn it, the highs and lows, and all of a sudden it, it just happens because bear hunting is a lot of boredom, you know. It's yeah. just, yeah, what, what do they say, like 90% boredom, 10% sheer terror, whatever it is. But it's, I know throughout the years you just get this confidence, and the only time that I get nervous is when the when I can hear the plane coming. Mm. Like if a guy hasn't got a bear, yeah. it's like, ooh, whoops. <laughs> and that happens, you know, we don't, we don't but do. But up until then you never know. Yeah, you never know it can happen within a within an instant. How many know. how many bears have you killed now? I don't know. Um, it's the only reason why I would know because I didn't really like having to keep track. That I, I mean, I just it's like, oh, what's my kill count? I didn't think it was very mm-hmm. respectful. But when we were doing our federal prospectus and having to write in for federal areas and and uh, for the state for guiding areas, you have to like count up all your stuff and uh, submit everything to them and it's pushing right at a hundred but you know i've done way more hunts and a lot of you know there was a lot of unsuccessful hunts and then you have you because i that's that is the thing about uh guiding bow hunters yeah a lot of unsuccessful hunts there's no guarantee and but I get that respectful. I mean, I don't know how many bulls I've killed, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like the counting the numbers. It's like I agree. It, it are you chasing numbers or mm-hmm. are you respecting each life? You know what I yep. mean. So I I get that. I was just I just know um, sheep guys. I just I've heard a lot of guys talk about they know exactly how many they've got. Yeah. So I didn't know. Right. If, if Actually, it, it's funny because. Uh, y- you know, there's been years I'm like, yeah, I probably killed it, but I really, honestly, didn't know. Yeah, and 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 I think it's pretty common. People just throw out numbers and like, oh, 
guess I really haven't taken that many. <laughs> hmm. Or vice versa. Like, yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. know I've actually taken that many. So, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I, mean, I've, I don't know how many hunts I've guided, but there's there's probably, <laughs> there's several unsuccessful hunts I in there. Bet. And that's just the way it goes when you're yeah. hunting. When you're hunting and it's 100% fair chase, you're booking a hunting trip. You're mm -hmm. not booking a kill. Yeah. You know, um, and so... Uh, it's doesn't make it any easier if someone doesn't get something, but it happens. You know, I had a guy this spring not get a bear bow hunting. He's been with us. It's fun. I go, gosh, dang man, it's been a long time since I haven't gotten a bear. And he's in he a great attitude, great spirits. And I said, wait a second, you're the last guy I didn't get a bear with. <laughs> he's like, gosh, dang it, yeah, you're right. And he goes, you know, my daughter says I'm on, I'm. Uh, uh, not very good luck. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> but just great spirits and stuff. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, good. for rifle hunting, you could have shot them. But the thing is, people have to understand, if you're going to come on a archery brown bear hunt or archery hunt where you could pick up a rifle, yeah, I mean, you are choosing to handicap yourself. Make it tougher, yeah. Make it tougher. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your guide is trying to do his job and getting you within 100 yards, 50 yards, you know, 20 yards, whatever. It's that's just the way bow hunting goes sometimes, yeah. man. I mean, I've been like I was telling you earlier, we've been within ten yards, fifteen yards, and not get a shot off. Yeah. I have some heartbreaking footage of guys full drawn, getting ready to touch that release on giant bear and just <whistles> gone. Wind, something, saw yeah. us, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh god. Yeah, that is heartbreaking. I've already got that bear skinned. He's that, mounted. I'm get you know the biggest tip in the world after killing this bear. That thing gone. That it's, doesn't happen on rifle hunts. You know, I mean, not too often. No, it's like if they're there, you're gonna get it. Probably get a bullet in them. But when bow hunting, yeah, so much can go wrong. Um, I was gonna say, you know, being a, a bear guide on Kodiak is kind of one of the most legendary type professions. It's like what type of do you know the history of guides on Kodiak? And like, do, is there is there people you've looked up to mm -hmm. that have done your job and like that are legends? Yeah, I mean, from like the early days, like the Madsons, like there's some good books out there, uh, like the early, early guiding, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Harry Dodge wrote a book. It's still out there, still available, Kodiak and its bears, lots of history. I mean, we're talking like plate tectonics on how it, how Kodiak was formed the native history, mm. uh, natives and Russians coming over, um, uh, then the early guiding in like Madsons and very early days. He's got a lot of bios of like early guides mm. and a lot of the native guides that were, that were very good guides. And so, but like Madsons were like really, really cool, uh, very respected, uh, very renowned guides. And then you then you had the Pinnell and Tallifson, uh, the, the Brown Bear Men books, those are really cool, really neat old books to read. Mm -hmm. um, lots of historical things. And just those are so important, I feel, because just reading those stories, that's the thing that people kind of discount now is like reading history yeah. about hunting. Guess what? Hunting has been hunting for a long time on these things. Mm -hmm. You can read and learn a lot of things and learn a lot of mistakes that people made or really good things that they made or did and learned, um, it will save you a lot of time. And so I love reading those old stories, but a lot of them are really funny too. The hilarious yeah. client stories, That's those are the best, like the weird clients you get and stuff. But uh, but no, like moving up to Kodiak, I was very, very fortunate to talk with uh, Mr. Dick Rohr, who runs a legendary camp 
um, actually turns 80 on Friday mm. this week. And uh, he is a legend when it comes to bear guides. He's still out there doing stuff. His mm. son runs a camp now, Sam, and he's our Alaska Professional Hunters Association president. Um, but uh, they run a, an amazing camp. And uh, Dick was, he's always been like, he was the first guy to talk with me mm. when I was in high school. I asked my aunt, do you know any guides up here in Kodiak I could talk to? Uh, and uh, she goes, you know, I know um, the people that own the subway, their dad is a bear guide. That's all she said. She's like, maybe I can ask him. So here she is at subway. Hey, do you think your dad would talk to, you know, my nephew when he comes up? Yeah, yeah, tell him to call him. So uh, he, he said, yeah, come on over to the house. I'll talk with you. So I was up on a deer hunt my senior year of high school. And so I wanted to figure out what I need to do when I move up. Yeah. So he sat down with me, had a cup of coffee, and kind of explained guiding to me. Mm. And he said, first off, you need to move up here to Alaska. Be an Alaskan resident. Put your time in. You know, dedicate your time to Alaska. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing that. I will. And he goes, okay, well, this, you know, you, you have to be a packer for this amount of time. You have to be an assistant guide. Then you can become a registered guide. Because I do nothing yeah. on, like, the legalities of guiding. Right. I just thought... I'll just move up there and become a guide, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so he laid out kind of uh, steps of to become a guide. And uh, and then, uh, you know, when I moved up there, uh, you know, within two days, or no, I got off the ferry and I called him and said, hey, Mr. Roar, this is Cole Kramer from, you know, moved up from Missouri. Uh, I'm here. And he goes, oh, okay, you moved. I said, yep, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> he goes, when did you graduate? I said, a week ago. And he's like, wow, okay. So I, I'm up there. And he goes, all right, well, thanks for letting me know. Then he called me back like an hour later. Hey, we're going to camp. Um, if you want to come out and and we're going to do some chores before the fishermen come in a month. And so we're going to paint and dig a water line, outhouse holes and stuff. You're welcome to come. You're not going to get paid, but if you want to come out, you're welcome to. You can talk to my son. He's the guy. Okay, cool. Sounds good. So I went out there uh, for a week just doing chores and hanging out and you know asking tons of questions mm -hmm. and he told me he's like hey i don't really have a place for you but we'll help you get placed mm -hmm. to be a packer somewhere and then they introduced me to the outfitter i've worked with for i still work with paul for 21 years paul shervenak up there and uh he's been like a dad to me pretty mm -hmm. much and an excellent mentor you know from day one it was always uh teaching me how to run a business mm. not you're my guide Right. Uh, you're Not my slave down. and yeah. and uh, worker. It always was about okay. When you're gonna run your own operation, you need to uh, you need to do this. This is how we do the paperwork. This is how we do, you know. And I found that out kind of early on. That was rare, right? Because mm -hmm. I just said, wow, this is really nice of him to show me all this stuff. Okay. And then if I went to go work for another outfitter, I'd say, hey, so blah, 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 asking about paperwork type of things. And I'm like, why aren't you asking this? Like, you don't need to know this. You know, this is kind of confidential stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't know. I just, this yeah. is the way I've, I was brought up over here. So mm -hmm. I learned very quickly that the people that I met early on, I was very fortunate. Yeah, they were lucky. very, very good guys in anything um, that I had questions on. I could just ask them, mm -hmm. you know, whether between... Mr. Rohr or, or Paul, of which uh, Paul didn't have any kids, so he called me his son in Alaska, you know, mm -hmm. and actually we're neighbors. I bought a house right next door to him, oh, so really? he washed over my house and everything And when I'm gone. And he's just a great guy, you mm -hmm. know, great individual. And um, But, uh, you know, there's so there's a lot of mentors that I had along the way. I wasn't just, uh, oh, I did everything on my own. I have everything to, to thank them for helping me out mm -hmm. along the way 
because you know, as we all can look back, like, man, how did I get here? Yeah. And I'm really, I wouldn't change a thing on like the people I had involved in my life. You know, we can learn a lot from books and and everything, but man, it, it's really a blessing when you actually have people in your lives that you you take the time, and those people see that you're taking the time, and then they will invest in you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you don't, you know, these employers and and whatnot, if you don't take initiative and, and show them that you are there, you know, no matter what you do, if you, it, you know, if, you, if you're not showing them that you are committed to their, to your job and what you're doing, your profession, um, if you're not showing them, they're not, they're, they're yeah. not going to invest upon you, but right. they will. And especially nowadays, if you're a committed person, I don't care who you are, what you look like, you know, uh, man or woman, you, it's, I hate to say it, I mean, it's kind of rare. You know, anyway, if you show that you have good, hardworking efforts, you will yeah. go a very, very long ways. Do you care? Do you care about this? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. If you care, it's unbelievable how, how far mm -hmm. you will go with, with this. So you talked about, you know, you used to like to read the stories and learn a lot. So how are you documenting all your experiences? Oh, man. Man, I wish I could say I had uh, journals. <laughs> a journal Detailed from day one. Journals. I had some, and I started early on doing some journaling. And, uh, and I was advised by a guy I actually was guiding in Australia some years back, and a guy uh, who actually lived up in Soldotna, Alaska. He told me, he goes, write it down. Write it down, young man. You're going to, he goes, you'll think that you can remember it, but you can't. Yeah. He goes, you need to write it down. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's it's hard. You yeah. know, it for me, but Next I know time. it, it, you need to, and, and I, and I love it, um, seeing like these, you know, these old guides who are kind of getting out of it, they'll write a book mm -hmm. and I love getting those books and, yeah. and reading their stories. And me I too. think, uh, you know, it's like with military guys, some of their military, uh, peers apparently get uh, frustrated if some guy writes a book or whatever branch or in this and that and the other but it's like hey man that's this guy's experience yeah this is his life right I look at it like I had I had a group of guys uh, come in and we were training in August and uh, they're still active uh, and we were talking about the books thing and and how they didn't like how some guys did this and some guys that and I said you know what guys here's a deal you guys are thinking about your your community but what about those guys kids mm -hmm. what about the grandkids i would love to read a book that my grandfather wrote right and if it was it i mean i would write it sure you can do it in a tactful tasteful manner you know not you're not bragging about yourself but you're just documenting your, your time and what you did in your profession and um and it's like writing it in a way that you're telling it to your kids you know, uh, because it's hard. You don't always know what what you've done. I mean, you're, you're close with your kids, mm -hmm. right? They get to see, but it's also like, but they don't know your internal thoughts right. all the time. And it's really, it'd be really cool. And obviously you wrote your book and that's mm -hmm. awesome because I, I really enjoyed uh, reading your book and whatnot, but it's cool because then you get to write down your thoughts mm -hmm. and people don't always see that. And, 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 or hear it, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so the, those, uh, I've always thought it was really cool. No matter what you do, I think it would be, it's pretty cool, especially when you get to that time, it'd be a pretty cool thing to, to, to write a book with, with all your, your adventures. And frankly, to me, I, uh, I, 
we're, I'm a guide. I'm supposed to be successful. Okay, mm-hmm. that's my job. Yeah. But it's the, it's the hilarious stuff and the goofy freaking <laughs> well, clients that we have. Your stories would, <laughs> would be epic in a book. I yeah. mean, because I, I don't know, have you read Silvertip? It's a, a Paul Schaefer. It's about Paul Schaefer, but okay. he also hunted, they hunted Kodiak. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's Silvertip Recurves. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, yeah. Paul Schaefer's yep. that started that that company. But then he hunted also with... Roy told me about this guy, Bart Shiler, mm-hmm. and he used to work at Foster's Taxidermy up with where oh, Roy, yeah. Roy mm-hmm. went. And uh, they hunted Kodiak a lot. So there's a lot of stories about Kodiak in there, which is why it made me think about, do you follow history or what do you yep. read? But those stories, it's like, I don't know, your stories would have to be, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I want you to journal them because I, yeah. I want to read about this stuff. And you've been doing it 21 years. You're you're only 40 now. Could you imagine the amount of story, epic stories you'd have? It would be a classic book. But yep. you're right. It's hard to remember every all the details. Yeah. You no, you, and you're correct. And I and I keep wanting to do like kind of make up a format page of where like you just kind of fill it in each day with the questions, this, yeah. that, the other, whether it, because also it's for your area because we t- we do keep some logs at times for like where we're seeing bears because i work with fishing games from the time on on surveys and whatnot and the time that where they're at time you know uh, the uh, visibility weather conditions all sorts of whatever um and so it it is important i think like you said uh, there just even for myself because even looking back on what i have journaled it's kind of hilarious to see what i wrote at times and it's like i forget you know and i'm reading a book like a new book sometimes like oh wow i can't i forgot about that yeah but it was cool this last like say this uh, year or two ago when we had to re-up permits and whatnot I had to go through and like relive and look at a lot of different things mm-hmm. since 2002. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that was a lot that happened there. Yeah. But I've, you know, um, it's just one of those, one of those things. Someday I will, but I, but I, I love it. And I encourage anyone and everyone to like, hey, because I know number one, it's like pretty therapeutic for people just to it sit is, down. Yeah. I know it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But the, the storytelling part, and you know, you have, you said around 100 bears, it's like, every experience of that there has Mm -hmm. to be something in there that stands out or you could learn from or people would be interested in it's like and storytelling is what keeps hunting alive Mm -hmm. you know yeah you talked about you loved hearing the stories from the old timers yeah i loved hearing jack frost hearing those stories so it's like you're not the old timer yet but a hundred bear i mean that's epic yeah and it's (laughs) it's kind of funny guys will reach out to me about a sheep hunt or a bear, I post something and someone will reach out, hey, would you mind writing a story on that? And I say, yeah. man, honestly, it just, we flew in there. We, it worked out perfect. I don't really <laughs> have much of a story for you. We just got in there and shot this thing. I was like, but maybe you should ask this guy because I'm pretty sure that was the most epic adventure of his life. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have the good story for you, but I think that guy probably will have a better story for you Yeah, because as a professional, you're, I mean, you're not numb to it, of course. You, right. I think it's, you get the uh, very cognitive of it, but it's... It's different. It's different, yeah. right? And so it. It, it's it's interesting to see it through a different lens yes. of a person's first time and the excitement. Mm-hmm. And and so there's just stuff, like I said, just because we shot a giant ram 
doesn't mean that it was this the most epic stock ever. Yeah. You know. But you remember, like, I remember the first bull I shot at, I didn't know if I could pull my bow back. My arms <laughs> felt like they were asleep, right? And so now I don't, now I'm like, whatever. Yeah. But at that time, so that's, that, how I felt on that first bull was how your, your hunters feel with that first bear. Oh, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, to, to you, of course you're not. You've been through it so many times, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just I just love the history of hunting and the yep. you know, the history of what we do. Well, and it's in the way you have to look at it, like I say, it's not just it's not for us potentially right now. It's yeah. for the further future. on down mm-hmm. and in the future. Yeah. Um and so that is the thing. And once again, for the future, uh like I look at it for other guides and what to expect and to let them know, like, hey man, this stuff's been happening for a long time. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. This isn't anything different you're going through. This has been happening forever. <laughs> and the other big thing is like for young guides thinking they got it hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. are you joking? Go back and read the Brown Bear Men and the Penel or like the Penel and Talfson books and like looking at these packers that were wearing cotton and snowshoeing oh, up and over mountains to get a, you know, 150 pound, 200 pound hideout, yeah. you know? And I mean, with a pack board, you know, yeah. and we're, we're, we got the best, we've got it. Yeah. Well, the best it's ever been. Right. We've got the best gear, the best boots, the best anything and everything. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine the actual weight difference. Oh, of what? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone has it somewhere. We could probably Google. But like if you have a guy, the normal bear hunter with the wool and then like the rubber rubber boots or uh, just big pack boots or something and then there's a pack frame uh, backboard and whatever and this way this then now what we have now with yeah. all of our gear in there <laughs> probably probably half the weight they <laughs> had at least you know yeah and uh, so it, I I love reading some of those old stories and, and I love reading like mountaineering books and whatnot and um, and just uh, and some of the names are, are spacing me right now but like just realizing that man men have suffered a very long time doing these adventures and they don't just give up. They push through, yeah. they endure and they, and you learn a lot about yourself when you're out there. And especially with guiding and, um, young guys knowing that it's like, Hey man, don't worry, you'll get through this. Okay. And then once you're done, you're, you're continuously setting these, these benchmarks. Mm-hmm. I remember like with sheep hunting, that was like some of the toughest things I'd ever done in my early days. And I just remember, like, you know, we'd be packing out of somewhere, and I'd be like, all right. Well, that was the longest pack out I've done. That was, <laughs> you know, 16 miles. Okay. That was a long pack out. That was a heavy load. Mm-hmm. We made it. And then it'd be like, okay, that one was 20. Okay. That one was 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's just like, boom, boom. But there's all these hard situations, you know, like Kodiak. We have issues with areas freezing up all the time. And mm-hmm. I don't, and, I've had to pack out camps for nine guys, like deer camps and stuff. We're like nine of us total and pack it at miles and miles along the frozen shores and rocks and in ice. And, and it's taken us a week to get our gear out. Had to cancel a trip because everything's froze up and it's just got to get our gear out. And it's like, well, might as well just pack it out. And, and it's like, well, we got through that. All right. (laughs) And it's just, those are like the cool things. But then you read about, uh, uh, dang, there's a couple amazing mountaineering books, but there's some that where they did the first expeditions of some of these mountains and summits where it would take them just a month just to 
portage their gear mm-hmm. to the base of the mountain. And yeah, then amazing. another month to get it up to like the base camp. And then another, you know, whatever. And it's just old, old, old school gear. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm worried about packing gear for three days <laughs> or four days. Like, yeah, they it pack d- for a month to get to months, the base. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's just like, in like the old guide stories, like I said, you yeah, know, those are, them. those are, those are just, but you need to have these stories. Yeah. See? Someday I will. Yeah. But <laughs> it's hard to, like, you almost feel like you can't live up to that sort of stuff, you know, but yeah. it's, you know, because I'm a fake, you yeah. know, at any, any moment we're going to be exposed, right? <sighs> we're both just freaking yeah posers posers man <laughs> and so the book will will expose me on how much of a poser i am <laughs> yeah i had had to stay out overnight once yeah no and that's the thing the the books the the, the the you know the goal of something like that is to educate and the stories the funny things yeah um, and just the, the stories because like I say it's pretty cool for you because uh you know your grandkids your kids, obviously, they see it, but like grandkids, great grandkids, you know, that's the thing I look at. It's going to be pretty cool to, to be able to look back at what grandpa did because I wish, I just wish that my grandparents had done such a thing. Yeah. You know, my grandpa was an electrician, the other one was just a, you know, a farmer. Yeah. You know, but uh, I would, I would love to read a story about them. Yeah. But, you know, you know your, your experiences, the biggest adventures and, you know, some of the biggest adventures in the world the biggest bear in the world in the most epic country in the world. That's special. So I just want you to, I want to read that. I want to read your experiences because I love, I love sitting down and talking about them and I, you know, I love reading about them, but I like hearing them. I like all of it. And, you know, Joe killed that bull yesterday. He sent me this big, long text with the details of the wind and, the Mm -hmm. and, you know, took his boots off and two pairs of wool socks. And it's just like, yeah, that never gets it. Ne- and that that was an elk hunt in California, mm-hmm. which there's no life or death anything. So, but it's still so it's still fun. It's still people people. Re- I put it up, and people said, "Oh man, I felt like I was there." Mm-hmm. So that's how that's hunting. Yeah, you know, I mean, we need we need to take the reader with us and yeah. share that. It's so important. Well, and it's cool because also when you think about it, you know. Joe's been hunting for, I mean, several years now, right? Yeah, but 10 years probably. 10 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cool when you think about, okay, if you had a new hunter, all right, now sit down and really think about what you did. Yeah. And write write mm-hmm. a story. Yeah. Write your story because it actually makes you like think about, wow, okay, the wind was doing this. It felt like this. I noticed that I noticed these birds off to the side, you know, then I noticed this buck over here and yeah. all these different things that are going yeah. through your brain and and those are the interests it's not just the okay we knocked the arrow moved one bush the next bush and we shot it like there's just a lot that no, goes you're on in, that you're, you're immersed in it yeah and and i think it's yeah. pretty cool to to see that and we can go through life here on the outside in town not being immersed in shit you know what i mean so when you're out there and you're immersed in it because you have to be if you're going to kill if you're going to be a hunter if you're going to be successful you have to be able to notice all those little details Mm -hmm. and still read the animal and still read the wind but it's like it's everything and that's like so empowering but to be able to share that too is pretty special Mm -hmm. but anyway all right i'll work on that all right i'm gonna i'll start working on that it may take me several years but uh nothing else in your captions you know i mean i think you do a good job of sharing sharing 
different parts of that. So, I mean, Instagram is valuable for that, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing. It's almost like I'm sure it annoys some people like just post your picture and got it done. But like, (laughs) I I feel like you're doing a disservice if you don't, you know, there's just and that's cool. if People don't want to get in their details. But like, I I like like, knowing, you know. Yeah. I saw I see captions sometimes where they'll say stuff like uh, got on the board, you know, or and I'm like, this isn't we're not scoring shit. What mm-hmm. do you mean got on the board? What is this contest with who's, who's playing this game, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, so I don't like the, just, you know, put one through the pump house. What I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I like how Joe did it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I like giving reverence to the moment and to the, to the experience. I do understand. It's like, whatever people can do, whatever they want. That's fine. Yeah. I prefer reading what happened. You know, yep. let's hear about it. Let's, what were you thinking? But anyway, I agree. I agree with you. Do <laughs> you have, so uh, so do you have anything amazing coming up? You're going to potentially write another book. What's in the, uh, what's in the hopper for you? Yeah. I just agreed to another book actually yesterday. Really? Um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I gotta get to work on that. <laughs> so <laughs> do you f- like doing that? I mean, um, you've been writing for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I like, uh, I think as we talked about storytelling is important mm-hmm. and it, you know, the first book did impact a lot of people. Yep. Um, so this one will be, that one was about indoors, you know, just whatever it takes. You just get through it, hard work, you can achieve whatever you want. This one will be called undeniable. So it's like, how do you, how do you stay? How do you keep producing? You mm-hmm. know, it's not just accomplishing a goal and then you're done. It's just like, how do you become undeniable? So that's what this one will be about. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's just, you know, we're storytellers. That's just what we do. So it's, uh, I think it's important. I think that's what keeps society engaged and, um, wanting more and growing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, like it or not, there's a lot of people inspired by you. Oh, so well, thank you. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't I don't know if you know that, but it blows my mind that of how uh, how you've been able to reach across the lines of, you know, so many people that aren't into hunting whatsoever, all the runners and just mm-hmm. athletic people that uh, I mean you are the you are the hunting spokesperson basically. Oh, so you, you do you do a, a damn good job and uh just gotta keep it up and like you say it's pretty undeniable. I remember you know, I remember when you and I were talking about sheep hunting. Yeah. And you you were um saying you were gonna run a hundred and then you're gonna run your first two hundred. Yes. And and you're like, yeah, I wanna come um, sheep hunting with you. And we, so we were talking about that and uh and I was like you said, I only got five days. Yeah, after the 200. After, and I go, oh, after what? I go, <laughs> yeah. is it just called the 200? Like, no, we run 200 miles. And I was like, oh, yeah. have you done that before? You're like, uh, nope. Yeah, that I was, was like, I was like, is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. So, so I remember I texted you because you ran the 100. Yeah. And that was, was you had ran 100 before? I had, I had done 100 before. Yeah. But yeah, this but is I, my first 200 coming yeah, up. Yeah. And then, so I texted you, though, after the 100. I yeah. was like, how you feel it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I, you're like, and I, I mean, obviously you did it, but I, you're like, I was saying about that sheep hunt, man, <laughs> that, that may be a little rough to do after yeah. that. Cause you were literally going to get done with that. Is it 240? Is that what it no, was? It Bigfoot was a or what, the 205? Yeah. It was 205 Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were literally going to get done with that 
and you were going to fly the next day yeah. and we were going to have five days to kill a ram. And I was like, dang, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, honestly, I, okay. Now when you now, cause like, I, I mean, we knew each other, but yeah. that was your first 200 and I thought, okay, if we had 10 days mm-hmm. to like get you into camp and if you needed to chill and I'm like, okay, we could do, but I was like so nervous for five days. Yeah. And that like, was like dang. really rugged country too. Didn't Extreme you rugged yeah, country. Cause, Cause you said you hadn't taken people back there, I think. Yeah. And so, but yeah, but I mean, we still need to go We're and get this it. figured out. We will, we will get it done. But when you did that 200 though, I mean, I felt like it's just undeniable like sure, hundreds hard. Yeah, but two hundred mm-hmm. and over two. Like I just, I remembered on my end of people and what they said about you. Yeah, it went from like you know oh, whatever Cam Haynes on my end of, yeah. of like people I'm around. Mm-hmm. You know whatever Cam, but to like, did you see you ran two hundred? I was like, yeah. God dang! Like it's undeniable. It, 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 <laughs> it, it's it's uh, just one of those things. And when you do it multiple times, like yeah, you people, and so it's like with you know, people can get luckier. People can push through, you know, a hard hunt, get lucky on something, whatever. But when you're constantly doing it, or the repetitions are producing the same successful outcomes. And you're also showing people that you're, you're enduring doing this hunt, the race, whatever. And you're, you're actually finishing it Mm -hmm. because a lot of people can go do one or two things and they fizzle out, Yeah, but just staying involved in, in, in the uh, commitment to it and showing up day in, day out, it's like it's it it's it just comes along the way when you stick with something over time. I you still, know. Don't worry, I still have haters. What? <laughs> no way. No way. No way. No, we all but do. I, we I, all do. Yeah, I I appreciate that. That uh, yeah, telling that story. But yeah, I mean, I do. I still think about. I was telling Tanner. I think that I we were supposed to do a sheep hunt. And I was mm-hmm. like, still one of the regrets I have is not being able to make that happen because, man, I've only killed the one doll. Yeah, and I need to get back up there, and uh, you know, hunting sheep is just like it's that is next level. Also, bear, big bear are awesome, but yeah, uh, the sheep with the bow is something special. Sheep, yeah, sheep to me with the bow, I would say is probably the most difficult mm-hmm. to me. Like hunting Alaska sheep with the bow, yeah, is it's very difficult. Those Real sheep deal. are hunted. Yeah. And, you know, by predators, by us, and their eyesight is so good. In bow hunting, you have to be next level to, to do that. And, um, you know, I've had some guys reach out to me and say, hey, yeah, man, I want to book a sheep hunt. And I, you know, okay, well, in bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And, okay, well, what have you what have you done? Like mountain hunting with a bow. Uh, well, I did an elk hunt or I did a – I'm like, okay – all right. I mean, that's fine. We mm-hmm. could potentially go do that, but do you want to like maybe hold off a year or two and go invest and go do another mountain hunt potentially with your bow to learn some things? Perhaps go down to Texas, hunt Audad, a yeah. free range Audad, because right. that is a excellent bow hunt. It's difficult in a lot mm-hmm. of places. They're extremely difficult to hunt. They're sheep, but it's not like the highest stakes, right? You know, you can still backpack, you can still, you know, uh, 
you know, you can drive around and go hike, but you're not 10 days backpacked up into a place and, you know, coming to failure on muscular failure, you know, guys wanting to quit. Right. Because they're... The weather's not going to kill you either. Yeah. And so, but, but the point is the repetition, getting in on something that is so dialed Mm -hmm. in their you know, their eyes stick out of their head yeah. so they can literally see behind yeah. them almost. Mm-hmm. Their field of view is so large. And, you know, when you have multiple sheep in a group, there's always something watching yeah. and learning how to be patient and sneak one tiny little minuscule movement and then just knowing now's the time and to run forward and draw and kill that thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that takes time and yeah. people freeze up and it's heartbreaking to mm-hmm. watch guys Unlike those sheep hunts that try that, and it, they they find out like, oh boy, this is this is something <laughs> like a little bit of that I did really didn't realize. What how are your tough. sheep hunts going for nowadays? I mean, shit's getting expensive. You know, I, I don't do a ton of it up there in Alaska, you know, but I'd I'd have to to check on that. But yeah, they're they're anywhere between twenty five to thirty grand. Yeah, you know, and they're same thing in Canada. Some that used to be more. the cheaper one, the doll sheep. Yeah, was like yeah, and, and they still are. They still are. Uh, dolls are still the cheapest. In, I mean, unless you draw something down in the states and you're just hiring a guide for you know that that's different. But in terms of booking a sheep hunt mm-hmm. and going hunting without drawing something potentially, um, yeah, the the dolls are you know around thirty, and everything else is just skyrocketed. Oh, crazy! It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy how what they're what they're at now. A lot of the other sheep hunts, big horns and you know, 50, 60, 70, then same thing with the, uh, stones. And then your deserts can be kind of all over the place depending yeah. on where you're hunting and whatnot. But, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I love hunting sheep. I've been on, uh, most of, I haven't been on a bighorn hunt, I don't believe, mm-hmm. but in terms of like guiding and being mm-hmm. out there, went to Mexico, guided deserts several years, but like, I love sheep hunting, but it, I don't like have the crazy sheep bug yeah. or anything like some people do. Um, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it, but, uh, I, I, man, I put so much stress on myself <laughs> I and I was like, I reached the point where I'm like, I need to kind of de-stressitize myself <laughs> a touch on certain things, you know, and, Dude, and there were some other writing on the walls. It, it wasn't about the physical nature of things or anything. Mm. It was just like the pressure I put on myself. Right to do stuff in my sheep hunts i would go with a, with a few other outfitters and it's, i'm just going and guiding for them and whatnot so they weren't my areas mm-hmm. and so uh, so i just try to line guys up in that you know if a guy's wanting to do a bow hunt then we'll go here for bow hunting mm. uh sheep but if they're wanting to do a rifle hunt or different physical aspects with it that they're capable of doing mm-hmm. one place or another you know so but uh yeah sheep hunting's a lot of fun and i do i do think you know I love my goat hunting. I really love goat hunts. That's what I, I do a lot of. But sheep hunting is pretty unmatched when it comes to like distance, especially mm-hmm. you know, and just uh, just the grind. Yeah. You know, the sheep hunting grind is real. It's it's uh, can be, you know, pretty pretty uh, pretty crazy. I've always been. I tell you what, I've been very blessed on all my sheep hunts. Mm. Um, I haven't done a ton of sheep hunts. But I've only had one guy not get a ram over the years, and he missed. Mm. And uh, but just because I I was just so adamant on sticking with the sheep, guys, you know, didn't always like carrying their camp with them all the time. Yeah. But I was like, man, I don't want to leave this thing. I gotta I gotta p- watch him every yeah. step he every step he takes, and we'll figure out his weak point. Because some of the guys I go with 
I knew I couldn't hike them all over. So yeah. I had to watch that ram for days and uh, wait for the opportunity. Wait for the opportunity. The uh, um, Anna Vorsik was the first um, first woman in history to kill a grand slam with a bow. Yeah. And she drew like a tote permit mm. and uh, up there in Alaska. And she's an Alaska resident, her yeah. husband. Yeah. Um, she's and, a stud. Mm hmm. And so uh, they were given the choice to either fly in or hike in. Mm. And we said, if you hike in, you may see more, more opportunity rather than flying. She said, yeah, let's hike in. They're like 20 miles in there. And uh, I had her husband I was guiding for um, the first six days, six or seven days. Is that Ken? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ken Borsick. And uh, we were on a ram for six days in a row within 100 yards. Wow. And he was extremely patient. And I'd sneak in there. We, we'd be watching him. And I think we closest we got was maybe sixty yards, and I remember like him walking. I said, "Ken, I think you can sneak up there. You can get up there to you know forty. If you if you go now, you can do it." And he's like, mm, "No, we'll just watch him." <laughs> and I, I mean, it was killing me. Well, guess what? Uh, Anna's guide got really sick and had to hike out. Yeah. So we were making a plan after that, and he Ken's like, "Let's take her over there and show her that ramp." Because they hadn't been able to get on a ram yet. Yeah. So here we are, day seven or eight. We take her over there, and like first day, we get in on that ram, and she shoots that ram. Really. So like Ken's patience oh. actually was the blessing. Allowed her to get allowed it. her to get that ram. Yeah. And she became the first woman in history to shoot wow. a uh, shoot a, uh, her grand slam with a bow because she'd been on like five other doll sheep hunts oh, or something, man. and finally got it done. It was like really, it was that was really special. It was I bet. Really, really cool to see. She is a stud. I yeah. mean, she was loaded down. I mean, because we were several miles past where our, our camp was there. And so to, to come packing out of that joint, you know, 25 miles oh with her, gosh. like, super cool. And, I mean, and she was like... That ram right there, see, right by the door? That's yep. in the toke with Roy. Oh, really? Yeah. Very cool. Dang. Yeah. So you got, you got you went in the toke no, there? No, I did He just shot that one He there? took llamas in there. Because it was serious? It's such a long pack to get back in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, that's a nice ram too with the recurve. Dang. Any, I give, I mean, people, you know, in Anchorage or around Alaska, some of these guys go in for sheep with the bow or they draw the archery permit. Yeah, I really want to try to, and I tell all these guys, I'm like, man, I'm all about shooting, you know, big rams and whatever, but you, you've never been on a sheep hunt before mm -hmm. and you're getting ready to go in there with a bow mm -hmm. and you've never even been on a rifle sheep hunt. Just like, cause a lot of these archery errors, it, it's like any, any, any ram is, is yeah. legal. And like the one I did was any sheep. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it used to always be any sheep. And then they, I think changed it some years back to mm -hmm. any ram now or something. And I tell guys all the time, there was one of the Navy SEAL instructors there in Kodiak had a tag this year and he was going to have to go by him. I'm like, just, if it's a male mm -hmm. and it, and you're within range, I would, I would personally take the shot because yeah. I'm like, you're new to this. Mm -hmm. You're not a professional when it comes to sheep hunting. You, it's, it's hard yeah. to sometimes get in close to sheep with a bow. Um, you know, and, and, and you have to play it, but you don't just like get up on the first one and whack right. it. But in terms of, you know, you play it, it out, out. But yeah. it's like some of these guys feel like, uh, I don't want to shoot this younger ram because someone may look down upon. I'm like, yeah, who cares? I know. Who cares? Yeah. Shoot what, if you're excited, 
if, if it is exciting you, same thing I tell guys with bears, you mm-hmm. know, residents that are going out for the first time or, you know, finally draw a, a Kodiak tag or something. I'm like, hey, man, enjoy yourself out there. Yeah. If you think this may be the only time, don't worry that it's not a 10-footer or 9-footer. If it's exciting you and you're in, and it trips the trigger for you, that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. That's all that matters, okay? It's one thing if you're hiring me or a professional yeah, that's different. A little different. Yeah. Let, let us make that call for you. Mm-hmm. We'll help you get in there. But if you're by yourself, you're with your buddies, like the families, like a lot of talk to a lot of fathers, sons that are going to go out. Like, hey man, I've heard a lot of stories of regret from sons not shooting bears with their dads there, and their dad like passed away, or it's like, God, I wish I would have shot the bear the yeah. one time I had, but I did. I was just being, you know, had it in my mind. I wanted to shoot a ten footer. We just never saw it, but we were on this, you know, eight and yeah. a half or nine footer, and it's like, man. <laughs> kill the bear enjoy your especially when you're with family or friends or something like that those are those are good good times and and uh you know enjoy yourself go out Mm -hmm. there and make the best of it Uh, don't worry about what people will think you know on how big something is uh just get out there and enjoy yourself and guess what when you if you start shooting some sheep start shooting some bulls start shooting you know bears whatever guess Mm. what then wrap it up then you can start tightening it up a little bit and being a little more specific you know on what you want to hunt um i'm that ram i killed with roy is like that is the only one i'd killed for many years and that's any sheep and i'm like I, some people did say about, oh, you shot a young one or whatever. It's like, man, th- they give a hundred tags. Sometimes there's one sheep killed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not pa- you know, like it, anything is pretty much any ram is Pope and young. So I'm like, it's good enough for me. You know, four and a half years old, we'll call it good. Yeah. No. And it's, it's funny because I've, <laughs> a buddy of mine drew a tag in there this year. He had, a and I need to find out still how he did, but, uh, um, he uh, he was told by some locals and maybe one guy in an archery shop there, like, oh yeah, no, no one kills rams in there or whatever, and it's like just discouraging talk. Yeah. And I said, hey, f that guy, <laughs> f that guy yeah. for him telling you that. Like, dude, I went in there and killed a ram. Sure, I was a guy, but I shot a beautiful eight year old ram mm-hmm. and just you know took my time, did my thing. Yeah, had patience, watched the sheep, just got in there was amongst them, watched them for days and then shot one. Yeah. I waited for the right moment. You know, just just get amongst them, as Tom Hoffman says, once yeah. you're amongst them. <laughs> but uh but it's just one of those things where there that is the that permit, you will see guys when I, I remember coming out with a ram. On which one? Uh the October hunt, we were back in like the Eklutna area. Yeah. And I came yeah. out with a guy. We'd been in there we had hunted sheep 10 days. We changed locations once, but uh, we were packing out. And I every day we were camped right below the snow line. Then we'd go sit up there for all day in the snow, freezing mm. our nuts off. It's rugged so country, freaking, too. Yes. But these sheep would come out of the out of the cliffs, mm. and we would try to make a move on them. And uh, regardless, we finally got this ram that went off and he bedded on this little spine that we could go up and around and uh finally got in there and my hunter shot this thing 50 yards killed this ram right before dark and i was like oh my god thank god and uh it was my first archery ram mm. and uh that i was guided ever and so i was like 
you know, really thankful to get it done, but we were just so cold. And when we came out the next day, um, we got out there to the truck and here's a couple guys, you know, offloading four wheelers and, you know, some rubber boots and, uh, and this dude had a recurve and I was like, he goes, Oh, you guys got a Ram? I said, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he said, Oh, right on. Was there a lot of them? I said, there's a few up there. Yeah, there's enough. Cool. I said, you moose hunting? He goes, Nope, Nope. Going to go up there sheep hunt for the day. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, we just hi- we just came off like 4,000 feet. Yeah. And this dude's got muck boots on, sweatpants, <laughs> like some camo sweatpants, and, you know, a little day bag, a recurve, and four-wheeling up in there. And it's already like, you know, midday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you camping? Nope. Just going to go up there and look. And so that's what, there, there's a lot of those guys that yeah. do that. Or get to that point, and they're not going to go to the next right. level. But then there's also a lot of killers that are locals up there that know what yeah. the heck they're doing. But my point is, just like a lot of places, no, not everyone goes the extra mile. Mm-hmm. They're going to draw the permit. A lot of them, some people won't show up. Yeah, and, and some people will go the first mile, but they won't go mile five, six, seven, eight, or twenty mm-hmm. where you really need to go. Yeah, you know, but they have that opportunity to go out hunting. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the reason why they give out probably a hundred permits. Right. But you're right. It's there's some years there's one or two, and I think the year I killed my ram in there was uh I think there was two or three killed mm-hmm. out of all those those permits. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things of uh you know, it's funny if you if you're pushing hard in your bow hunting, like if I'm rifle guiding, I'm struggling to get within three hundred and fifty to four hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I'm bow hunting, I'm yeah. in that hundred yard range <laughs> all, the all the time, struggling to get within, you know, yeah. what what because it's yeah, yeah, to, for for a bow shot, you know, I, it's one thing if if you're by yourself, but man, when I'm guiding, guys, I it gives, I'm a little nervous when with with guys that want to shoot like that can shoot far, yeah, just because I've seen so many things, I and, I, and I'm so I'm just like. Oh, man, just we just got to get a little closer. Yeah. Got to get a little closer. <laughs> I know. Everybody, everybody thinks they can shoot at 80 until they get out there and it's on a on an animal. Super steep. Uh, you know, the, oh, other, yeah. the other thing is, and that's the fun thing about like going to those total archery challenges, mm-hmm. is it is expo- it exposes a lot of things. Yeah, like a definitely. lot of people don't check their bubble when they yeah. get on a steep terrain. Oh, no. And they're just trying to focus on everything else. And... Uh, and that exposes that. So you can have those conversations when you're on the mountainside shooting with your buddies, you know, at that foam. Yeah. That like, oh, wow, why did you shoot so far to the right or left? Yeah. And it's you like, look at that level. Yeah, yeah. You didn't look at that bubble, did you? Yeah. And, uh, and a lot canting. of guys, or their third axis is off. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. All the, yeah. That's what Wayne's good at checking too, because they put on that hooter shooter and put it at the angles. And a lot of guys, they're, I mean, even if you do everything perfect, you're a foot off because your third axis, axis is off. Yeah. So. Yep. It is. That is one thing that, uh, yeah, it's always very, very interesting. Uh, this year on a, on a goat hunt, I was, I, I wasn't guiding this one by the outfitter was, was talking and he goes, man, strike one, strike two. He's missed it, you know, 30 yards, 40 yards, missed or 50. And I said, missing high, low, left, right, way left, way right. I go, okay, <laughs> tell him to check his bubble. Yeah. And then he finally shot one the next day. But it was just, whoops. But guys, they, they forget that on that well, stuff. Well, and also there's something about sheep because I know I, you know, you probably know these guys, but uh, 
there's guys in Colorado and they had the sheep hunter and he was just missed it. 25 30 51 mm-hmm. threw his bow broke his bow threw it off the mountain <laughs> went and got a new bow came back with the brand new matthews all dialed in with everything and then missed three more times <laughs> so mm. it's just sheep you know obviously it wasn't the bow so people get the sheep fever oh, yeah. because the stakes are so freaking high yep. on a ram it's like a lot it's once in a lifetime for a lot of people yeah i would say bears and sheep Mm-hmm. We'll do that. Yeah. Goats will do it for the steep terrain. Mm-hmm. I've had guys, they don't get too, I mean, guys, they may get a little nervous with a shot because of the animal, but it's mainly the terrain where they'll shut down right. on steep terrain for goats. Yeah. But the bear and sheep, mm-hmm. yeah, it's different. And like, like say with bears, you just see them do stuff that you, you're like, hey, yeah, hey, 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 snap out of it. <laughs> Come you back. Know? Or guys will be at full draw and the bear's running away. And I'll say, no, 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 no. And I have to like literally grab them so they don't shoot at this bear running away. Yeah. But they're so... Make crazy decisions. Yeah. Make some different decisions. And they don't really always understand that they're doing it. Yeah. And so that's obviously part of our job. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not easy for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, Cole, thank you. This has been... An awesome, a long time coming. I've been wanting to sit down and talk with you and share stories for years. So, well, thank, thank you. you, thank you so much for coming. And uh, man, I just appreciate everything that you offer the the hunting industry and how you help so many people and just the way you carry yourself. It's uh, it's. I mean, I got a lot, a lot of respect for you. Thank you. Well, thank you, and it goes the same to you. We appreciate you and all you do and how you respect this community and everything. So, and congratulations to both your sons and, uh, and Trude on that, uh, world record. <laughs> yeah. 8,100 pull-ups. Very uh, impressive. Yeah. So. <laughs> you did a great job. Well, thank you. Thank well, you, sir. It's been good. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's know that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season. Every animal is a unique challenge. Every hunt, a different experience. And I count on my local Cabela store here in Springfield, Oregon to gear me up with all my hunting necessities. And you know, I like to support companies that give back to conservation. Under the leadership of founder John Morris, Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's are leading North America's largest conservation movement. Together with our partners, they're positively shaping the future of the outdoors through donations, grant writing, and advocacy. Head to their website, BassProShop.com or Cabela's.com and get geared up for your upcoming hunts. Loophole Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Loophole Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Loophole, for supporting the podcast. One of my favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Gothic Serpent. The exclusive coffee subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roasts from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today.